Now. Three, two, one, go! What's going on, skanks? It's episode 58 of the Cool Down Time Podcast. I'm your graphically impressive and insulting host of the show, Marco. I'm joined once again and as always by my co-op co-host extraordinaire, Pablo, who is uh, here to help me talk about gaming's best and bootiest once again. Pablo, what's going on with you, man? How's it going? I'm doing pretty good here, uh, wrapping up a big week of video game news and uh, work. Just like I don't like how you're starting this off trying to sound normal while the whole pre-show ritual <sighs> we just did, you sounded like a complete psychopath. Well, you called you know, yourself Metro Boomin for no reason. Then you get on here, oh, I'm just happy to talk about the video games. Well, I think I, I think that's what psychopaths <laughs> do. I think that they're able to acclimate Man. to their surroundings and in which way just act as if nothing was happening and everything is why, okay. Why, everything is why okay. are you over-enunciating all the words? What oh, this is going to be a long mean? episode. I am an American. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like Young Ye right now. That's what you sound like. Um, oh man, poor wow. Young Ye. We going in hard in this in in this show just because we love him. Um, mass him. protest for the latest game in the, the Fallout seventy six is having mass protest from all the audiences <laughs> from the Reddit. Um, nah, that, nah. Uh, poor I'm guy. glad you're doing all right. I don't know if I let you even finish your question. I'm just going to assume you're doing all right. Uh, I don't even know what I said, man. <laughs> it's all a haze. I have no idea. I just waited to, I just waited for a window of time to talk over you. So yeah, I, I know. that's how it goes. That's all good. It's all good. Um, I'm doing great, though. Thanks for asking. I didn't ask. Um, yeah, okay. That's fine. You did. You, you meant to. Um, no, I, I've, been, I've been out for uh, almost the whole week. I had this team summit I had to do where I had to pretend to uh, get along with all my coworkers, and that was... Uh, an experience. So I just got back. I've been gaming it up a little bit when I had time back in my hotel room. Um, but I'll talk about that another time. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm good. I appreciate the question. I didn't think you'd ask, but you did. You definitely did. No, no, no. I didn't uh, ask, though. Yeah, you know, because you're a caring person and you definitely asked me. So um, if you're asking us what we're going to be talking about on this episode, uh, Pablo, I have an answer for that as well. Uh, we're going to be talking about the last of the summer game showcases. Then we're going to also be following that up with getting into details about our best and most disappointing games of all the showcases that we saw. And of course, much, much more. So hopefully that sounds good to you listeners. Speaking of which, shout out to all of our new and returning listeners for checking out this week's show. If you like us, we're kind of shocked, but that's cool. Uh, but if you do give our podcast a sub, we drop new episodes weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, other popular streaming apps. We're there where you need us and when you need us. I don't know what the problem is. Subscribe. It's what good people do. You can also be a good person by following us on IG at Cooldown Time Podcast if you want to stay connected with, uh, with us in between episodes. And we're also on Twitter at Cooldown Time Pod as well. So, um, Pablo, we got a lot of stuff to dig into, so let's not waste any more time. Uh, let's jump right into loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right. Let's get started, man. Um, so interesting uh, time where we're kind of getting a little bit of new stuff to play, uh, which is nice. It was it's a bit dry, a little, little slow drip, which is all right. Um, and we got one that is uh, quite interesting, uh, and that is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. 
Um, this game is obviously, um, you know, kind of a spiritual uh, sequel to the uh, arcade classics out there from the old days, um, which I'm familiar with in my youth. I don't know. Were you ever big on the, the arcade Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff? I, yeah, I mean, I played them. I, I have, like, vivid, uh, you know, oh, memories okay. of playing them, but I have never was, like, uh, a fan of... I was never a fan of beat-em-ups, period. So it was kind of mm. just one of those things where I gravitated more to, like, Street Fighter, um, you know, Donkey Kong. Just fighting games, Yeah, it, it, like, that. I never mm. really got into too much into the beat-em-ups. It wasn't my thing. Why? Why? My, uh, may I ask? I don't know. Was it your thing? I, maybe because I was bad at them, or may, mostly because I... I really just enjoyed the fighting games more. Um, and honestly, there was just more availability within that. Like, uh, the light gun shooters with Area 51. I uh, talked about that in the show. That being oh, like a seminal yeah. moment in, in, like, gaming for me. But, like, it, it the, the, the beat-em-ups were actually where, where we're from uh, in this mm. area. Like, uh, uh, the, the orange, was it, the was it the mall? The Orange Square Mall. Was it Orange Square Mall or the mall in Kissimmee? Oh, that, that dingy mall that yeah, got, they like, had the like the only arcade left. in town for like many many years. <laughs> that um that didn't really have a lot of options. That I think it had Turtles in time, but anyway, mm. needs to say I the most kind of I guess beat 'em up that I had. It's not really a beat 'em up. It's a hack and slash. Was when I played with you. Golden Axe was like uh, right. that that sort of game. But yeah, other than that, not a not a don't have a kind of like a that much nostalgia for. Uh, Beat 'em ups or uh, TMNT. Got you. Bad taste in games. Okay. Wow. <laughs> uh, so that's fine. What we can do is, uh, you know, well, actually, no. In all seriousness, that that makes sense. I mean, it's not for everybody. Um, you know, th these kinds of games are, are pretty straightforward. They're not a lot. There's not a lot of depth to them. It's more of just like partying up with a group of people, um, playing with them, and just kind of, you know, wrecking shop and having a good time. There's not there's not a lot of brain power you need for these kinds of games, which is why they're fun. Um, so I definitely used to like them when I was a kid. I played a lot of that stuff. Um, obviously introduced you to a little bit of it, like you just mentioned. Um, so this one, but at the same time, this game really never hit my radar until late. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it was. I just, maybe I just kind of grew out of both these types of games and TMNT as well. So, um, this one really didn't, uh, it, it didn't pop up on my radar until we got really close to it coming out and I realized it was hitting game pass and I thought, Oh, Okay. Um, but with that being said, Pablo, we both put a little bit of time into this game, um, tried it out. We haven't played together yet, but we might link up um, Tonight, at some point soon to do that with some friends. So, um, But despite that, um, give me some of your early observations of this game. How is this hitting you? Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, I'm not a big fan of beat-em-ups. And I, I, as a kid born in the 80s and, and growing up in the 90s, yeah, I watched the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles TV show, the movies. I, I like those. I was a, like a fair weather TMNT fan. Like I never really, after the the series kind of ran its course, I never really pursued it in the Nickelodeon shows that they were showing. So not not that big of a fan. Um, but man, I'm telling you, I I don't know if this, this is a game that's catching me at the right time or what it is. But I am really really enjoying the hell out of this. I think uh, stylistically, uh, it's interesting. It looks and it feels like the older Turtle games that I remember when I played, the little that I did play in arcade. Um, and I guess that unlocked something in, in my head. Because response, once you're playing the game itself, like, I think, like, it it, it, it looks really good. Uh, it plays really well. The response time and controlling, all that is really dope. I'm playing a lot of Donatello uh, for the reach and April O'Neil for her speed. Uh, they both play 
interesting enough, they both play pretty differently, though obviously the, the mechanic is the same with, with the button pressing in terms of what buttons don't do what. But it's interesting because with Donatello, you can actually stand back a little bit and do a little damage uh, from pretty far. With April Neal, you have to get up and close, and you, with the speed, it really does even out. So it is simple in its approach, but it's actually a little complex once you actually get into the nitty-gritty of the different kinds of characters and all that stuff. And there's... There's certain, like, kind of, I guess, quote-unquote, advanced skill with, with comboing and kind of getting these things together with, like, the throw mechanic being you get really close to them and you can, like, use that that one person to hurt other people. You know, the things that we see in other beat-em-ups. But I, I think what really is is works for this game is it just captures the the stylistic uh, art style of a Teenage Mutant, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game from old. And it feels new, and I think it does enough... With the six-player co-op, oh, six-player co-op, which I haven't done yet, obviously, but I just think it does. It has these little flares that make it. Hey, this game could only exist now. You know, uh, I like the overworld map. Uh, I like that that stuff. I like the way that it, that that kind of releases some kind of like endorphins, where it's like it feels good to get to the next level, next level. And I, I'm pretty much like I'm flying through these levels. I think there's 16 levels. I'm at level 10. Uh, so I'm like, I'm really having a good time with it. So I, I honestly, mm. I, I, I have, these kind of games are, are so kind of simple as well in their approach. I really have, don't have anything negative to say about it because it's just, it. I, I accept it for what it is and it's not trying to be something else. Uh, and, and I really do enjoy the, the aspect. Again, not a huge beat-em-up fan, but I am really enjoying this. How about you? Yeah, um, I, I'm going to kind of dissect it a little bit. Um, I, I think, first and foremost, this game is, to your point, it really nails the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles vibe, and especially the, um, the 90s aesthetic. The music, in particular, is uh, incredible. Um, that is some of the best music I've heard in any kind of... Any kind of game that is trying to be like a retro game but mm-hmm. just misses the mark. This game totally hits the nail on the head. And I'm a huge stickler for that stuff. The intro cinematic, like almost like a cartoon it's intro. It's the same. It's like side that, by side. It's almost the same. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 fire. I love the fact that they have that in there. It just set the tone in the perfect way. Um, and I think the overall uh, level design all feels really, really true to form if you know the arcade games well. Uh, the arcade, you know, the arcade style of, of TMNT, that is. Um, it, it just, it nails it. It absolutely nails it. And and the gameplay, to me, is a perfect mixture of that classic simplicity mixed with some modernistic uh, changes, like the roll and dodging and, oh, yeah. um, you know, getting some, you able to level up a little bit and stuff and get to unlock some new things for your your uh, your, your favorite characters. And that's something um, that I didn't I like that know a lot. that was, again, very limited with the arcade mm-hmm. style of, of beat 'em up, so I like I was looking up that information. That's and that's true. Like the unlock stuff, that's not really something that that that's uh, particular to nah. those games. So I was like, oh, really, now I can no. do the my special move in the air uh, after I unlock that portion of it. So it's like, yeah, that that stuff is really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I think overall, the the combat feels good. Um, it, it does strike me as a very short game. Um, yeah. it, it takes only about seven, eight minutes per level at, at best uh, to really make your way through it. And I think it's just more so because they want it to be replayable. Um, they're not trying to hit you with too much. Although I would love to see them add more levels later on if they do. If they want to plan for DLC, that'd be an awesome uh, thing to do. I'd, I'd love to keep this installed and just keep coming back to try out new new stages yeah. and such, or new or new fighters uh, if they want to introduce as well. Um, that'd be really cool if that if that's even in their roadmap. I have no idea. They said um, no 
Uh, and then I think well, with the with the success so far and the reviews, they've kind of come back and changed their mind a little bit. They're like, if the people want it, you then gotta, we'll yeah. do it. Yeah, but they you said that as up. as as it stands from release, they didn't have anything planned other than what the game was. Yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully they'll 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 kind of revisit that and uh, recommit a little bit more uh, time into to building on this because this is something special. Um, it's not easy to pull off a game like this. Now I will say. Um, my biggest knock against this game, I actually did try online uh, co-op. Six players is way too much. It, it yeah. gets so chaotic that you can't even see anything. Everybody's hitting all their special moves, and you can't even oh, figure out where the hell that. you... You can't figure out where you are, bro. This game is best served as a three to four player co-op. Even four is kind of pushing it. Three to me um, is kind of a sweet spot. I ended up getting into a, a lobby of just three people, and I felt like it was the perfect balance. I knew where I was at all times. I could track where my teammates were and you know how it has the functionality where you can high-five them to give yeah, them a yeah, little boost to health. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that, by the way, is fire. Yeah. I haven't tried that because I haven't played online. Oh, it's so it, it's it's really cool, but I just think it's overkill to have that many players on screen because, um, you know, the way the levels are are mapped out, there's not a lot of space to roam around anyway. Yeah. Um. So you just find yourself in these in these chaotic kill boxes, and it just gets to be too much. And it's it looks cool, like amazing things are happening. You just have no idea what the hell is happening. So Let me, I think that's my biggest knock, probably. Who do you use? Just curious. Uh, Michelangelo, all day. All day and twice on Tuesday. Michelangelo, um, yeah. Yeah, that's my boy. I, I've always, he's always been my favorite. Uh, Donald Tello's always been my favorite. I, I said, I told Justin, a friend of the show, to, to, to rank the um, the Turtles, and I ranked them uh, Donatello, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Snapping Turtle, Box Turtle, Sea Turtle, Raphael. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think my only change is I flipped one and two, and I think I got the same as you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, including all the other Ready to Slider Turtles. Uh, yeah, all that. <laughs> but I like I, I like April O'Neil, man. You should try her. I, her she sh- was cool. She, 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 was, she was very good. I did try her, actually, okay. um, just to kind of test out a little bit, because I saw another player using her, and I'm like, oh, I want to try that out. Um, but I want to stick with Michelangelo to kind of keep building him up. That's right, yeah. Uh, but then, and then I'll come back to others. I, I think Splinter's another one that I'm really excited about trying. Yeah, too. what I thought was dope is when I'm playing as April O'Neil, like the movement she does, she's like a, like I, I guess like a karate, but almost like Ungbok type. It It's so good because when you look at the animation, and that's what I mean when it goes like, oh, a game that could only exist now or recently in, in this era of gaming. Because when you actually look at the animations, they animate really, really well. It isn't like... <laughs> In yeah. those old games where it's like three or four stock animations, they have no, animations yeah, you're right. for everything, and they look so dope. Even when they're doing their special move, like if you look at their face, their eyes are like bulging out if they have like a specific move. It is it is yeah. absolutely amazing. Um, did you, you haven't unlocked Casey yet, have you? Uh, no, no, not yet. I'm really no. excited to play as him. That used to be yeah. my favorite from the movies. I don't know. I it was just mm. as a kid, you know, I just I just loved him so much. I was like, oh man, I I love this character. Yeah, yeah. This this game is a good one. This is this is a pretty solid game. Um, you know, I I I saw the open critic. I think it's like at eighty seven right now, yeah, which is it insane. Is, it's good. Um, that's great to see. Uh, I will say I, now personally, I think it's more of an. I'd probably have it probably around an eighty, low eighties to me than a than a high eighties. But hey. Um, you know, I, there are hardcore TMNT fans that have been dying for a game like this. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy for the fan base more than anything. Do you think there's a possibility that this could make your top 10 this year? 
Um, it depends. I mean, it's hard to say. It's a bad year. Um, by default, I think it 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 is for the moment probably going to make the top ten. But there's still a lot of stuff coming out by the time the end of the year reaches, uh, you know, its conclusion. Even though, despite the stuff that got delayed, I still I still have a list of stuff that I'm like, yeah, this might be a little tough. I mean, there's not that one standout game that's coming up next, so maybe there's a chance that this game could sneak in. Um, but I, I it feels more like an honorable mention type of game for me if I had to like, you know. Uh, play Marco Damas for my my list uh, later on. Yeah, I I I guess I'm a, I'm a little higher on you. I'm higher on the game than you are, but I mean I think that's you know I think that's part of the course when it comes for me. I'm like a hype machine when a game really captures me up front. Yep. I'm really excited about it. <laughs> but the good thing is is I you know I do let things simmer a little. So once the end of year comes, I'll I'll have yeah. a more uh, realistic list. But man, I I'm excited to play this with you. Uh, maybe we'll try it tonight or or, or in the we'll coming see. nights. Because uh, I really wow, you heard that? That we'll see was like fuck you. We can play in this game. Yeah, it depends on how much you get on my nerves, you know. Because <laughs> this man will give me a time you, frame. Yeah, I'll be on at like six thirty, and then he gets on at like eight o'clock. You on? Well, you know, I mean, before I, I used to do that shit, but now I do it, and I have an excuse as the kid. But I, it don't work with Marco because I was always like that. Um, now I, I really, day. but I'm really excited. I want to try. Maybe we'll get on, and, and uh, if we do, we'll, we'll update you guys on on some co-op if we if we get into yeah. it. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. Um, why don't we go ahead and keep with the theme of, of newish games, Pablo? I'm, I'm going to let you kind of tag yeah. back in again and talk about the quarry because I know I'm, uh, a lot of people are curious about that one. It's a full price game, uh, mm-hmm. which I know is a sticking point for a lot of people, and they're not sure if this is worth their while, but it does look like a cool game from Supermassive. So, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, talk to me about it. Let's go. I think it's an obvious step forward for Supermassive. Like, it's night and day difference from what they're doing with their Man of Medan anthology thing. Like, it, it, you, there's a there's a difference there in their quality. Like, they have their A team working working on the quarry. Um, I like the story set uh, telling setup uh, conceptually. I like the entire approach to like storytelling. Uh, you know, if you like Friday the Thirteenth or anything of those kind of B tier teen movies, you'll be right at home with this. I think that the performances are equal to that, are on par with that. They've got David Arquette, uh, uh, you know, on here. Uh, you know, they got recognizable actors, people that you've seen before on, on TV. Uh, so it kind of lends itself to that. If they were to make a B-horror movie, these would probably be the actors in real life that would play these parts. So it, it kind of lends some kind of credibility to, like, how realistic this could be in terms of, like, in, in film. There's even, like, a movie mode to it where it's, like, it pretty much plays itself. Um... I, I like it. I, I think it's really good. Um, it's fun to play. M- my con- my issue with the game is that the premise of the game suffers because it wants you as a player to make decisions and choices as if you didn't know you were playing a horror game. Like, you know, like, should you go down to the basement? Like, it wants you to make all the mistakes... <laughs> That you've done that, that people do in horror films, and I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, that's hilarious. Yeah, and it, it's like, what is it like? You know, do you want to go down to the basement or do you want to take a shower for no reason? Right. It's like for me, but it's even it's even far more like black and white. It's like, oh, I found a, a secret entrance in the bottom uh, under this guy's desk. Should I go down it? No, I'm locking that shit up. Close it up. I don't want to know. But for me, it doesn't work because, like. I don't do that. I feel like I'm missing out on the story. But if I do do it, the, there's a possibility that I lose somebody, and I feel like I'm losing the game. So it's like I I don't know what this game wants me to do. I think really what it wants me to do is have some sort of amnesia and and 
suddenly forget that I'm playing a <laughs> horror game and I don't know where I'm at. I'm, it's almost like role playing in a way where it's like, okay, I'm going to play role play as a dumb teenager in a B movie. I, yeah. and I, I think there's something to that, but it doesn't feel like that's really what they're going for. It's almost you know like what? they had a idea for this and then broke it down. What's up? No, what I was going to say is it kind of reminds me of like Detroit Become Human in a way as well, like with the branching paths. I don't know if I'm playing it the ideal way or if I if I got to some outcome because I yeah. missed some important thing. So I always get paranoid of like, am I playing it the right way? So that kind of reminded me of that in a little bit uh, of a sense. Yeah, but uh, go ahead certain, and continue. And there's certain things with the game where it's like it's all choice orientated, but there's some but like some pivotal moments in the story aren't based on choice or based on already predetermined choices made by the developers of the game. So it's like, it doesn't feel completely immersive, but there are certain things that kind of give you hints. Like I'll give you an example. So I, I grab a shotgun and before I go out, one of the girls says, Hey, be careful with spread damage on the shotgun. Cause she's like a gun specialist, which is something that's been set up. Uh, and you're like, okay, cool. And so there's like about two minutes later, they gave the option to shoot something that's happening to shoot at something that's happening to one of your friends but the spread of the shotgun you know if you really listen you know not to shoot because if you were to shoot you would have killed your friend right little things like that really work really well but that's just certain little things like that that happen really the widespread choices of the game are far more like obvious like uh if i obviously pick this i'm obviously gonna die you know there is a way to save everybody um i do feel like that's not what the game wants you to do game wants you to like kill these motherfuckers um mm -hmm. they even go as far as and this is kind of like the more of like i i didn't really like this too much because it, it it leans heavy on tropes you have the very like sexually confident female but because of her sexual confidence they treat her as a bitch you know and then you have like another character who's male who's gay and he's like he's like an asshole he's like you know he's just like also like they portray him as like a complete unlovable character and it's like for me it's like all right out of all these characters you had you picked the gay guy for everybody to hate and the sexually promiscuous girl for everybody to hate and everybody else is like they're lovable and charming and sweet and cute but these two people of course you're not you know when you when it comes down to down to it it's like am i gonna save this guy or the sexually uh, the sexual confident girl or like they would probably portray it as a sexual deviant you know like it, it's for me those little choices are a little weird but also just so ham-fisted that it's like ugh, it makes you almost want to roll your eyes it's like you know what you want me to do here but you know yeah. other than that I, I think it's a very impressive uh game technically as well it looks really nice the water in this game is absolutely horrific i don't know what the fuck happened to that game engine Everything in this in this game looks hyper realistic, except the water looks like fucking syrup covered in black tar. Like I don't, it's it's ridiculous. It's a horror game, bro. It's contaminated. <laughs> it's got it's got some it's but, got some syphilis mixed up in it. Man, I'm saying, but uh, ultimately problem? for me, I, I think that this is, <laughs> and I hate to say this because it just feels kind of like I'm saying eh, I'm shitting on this, but this is like a PS Plus Game Pass uh, kind of game. Seventy dollars mm -hmm. is absolutely fucking comedy again I, I i i hate to say i hate to be the guy or, or or even i really don't like to talk about pricing games because pricing is relative to everybody you know um if you're a huge b horror film kind of guy and you want to play this and you play this at home with friends and family because you could play that way i mean you're gonna get your bang for your buck but also just as me playing this game luckily i didn't have to pay the full price i shared account with my brother so we split 
pricing on some of these games, so that, that affords me the opportunity to play a lot of games like that. But if I had to pay $70 to play this game, I would be pretty... I wouldn't be too happy about it. It's, it just doesn't... It just doesn't kind of like... It doesn't feel like a $70 experience for me, ultimately. But, yeah, it's gotcha. fine. It, it's, it's really fine. I, I'm, I'm waiting for it to hit Game Pass so Marco could try it. I think, I think you'll like it, but I... No way, shape, or form are you going to come out of this experience and be like, oh, that's one of the best games I played this year, or even one of the mm-hmm. best uh, horror games I played. It, it, it's not like that at all. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass up on it for now, then. That that makes sense. Um, cool. All right, man. So up next, uh, I got mine. Um, aside from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I also um, I subscribed to the new PlayStation Plus. Uh, I got the middle tier. I forget the name of it. Um, which gave me access to the collection of PS4 and PS5 games that it has. Um, which, side note, I actually think that list is pretty good. Um, downloaded a bunch of stuff. One of them that I downloaded was one that I promised um, my boy Pablo that I was going to try if I got PlayStation Plus, and that is Shadow Warrior 3. Uh, so a couple episodes ago, Pablo was talking about his experience with that game. Um, and I went ahead and decided to give it a, a, a stab. Um, I, I really didn't come into it with a lot of expectations. Um, but I will say I'm kind of pleasantly surprised a bit. Yeah. Um, it is uh, it is a better game than I thought. It mm-hmm. is the first time I played a Shadow Warrior game, so there is that. Um, so I, I don't know much as a baseline uh, for the series, really, other than the fact that it's, it's a silly game uh, with a man that has a name after his dick. Um... <laughs> I think this game is far more silly than the other previous ones because I think the previous ones had a very heavy uh, inclination to multiplayer stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the impression. Yeah, so I mean, this one for me, um, I really didn't expect to like it at all. But I, I think there's something about the um, the movement and the I wouldn't quite call it parkour per se, but I guess it is in a sense. But like running and you know wall running and and climbing and double jumping and dashing in the midair and all that stuff like that movement. Uh, before we even get to like the shooting and the combat and all that, that movement is fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to I have to admit that that really took me off guard because even when I watched some some footage of it on YouTube, I was like, oh, that looks like that looks fine, I guess. But I just didn't know how it was gonna feel with the controller in my hand doing it. And I have to say, it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, the combat itself, I think, is mostly okay i think it's mostly solid um it it does seem like it's gonna run out of ideas sooner than later yep um and will become more of a probably a repetitive here's this kill area do your thing push these people into some spikes do this power move do your special attack kind of wash rinse repeat and that's fine i don't think this game is trying to be much more than that and that's okay it's it's it definitely knows it's it's niche and it's kind of sticking to it um, and I appreciate that. I yeah. really do. Um, I think that the the storytelling and the pace of the story reminds me a lot of Wolfenstein, actually. Yeah, yeah. There's some um, of that to just it for sure. Kind of a, a sillier version of it, uh, for sure. But that it has that pulpy, um, you know, that that, that cinematography that that just kind of snaps from one scene to the next, yeah. and it's very, it's very smart like that. I, I put actually time to do it. appreciate it. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, didn't put a lot of time into the frame rate on the cutscenes, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Those looked a little, a little, little messed up. That now the performance in game uh, is pretty smooth. I was actually able to increase my FOV uh, a good amount to see more uh, around me, and it actually didn't look like it was dipping at all, which was nice. 
Um, but you know, I think it does have some of that little creaky jankiness, um, when it comes to its budget, you can feel it a little bit. It's like a quintessential Um, double A game. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're right. And I don't hate it for that right now. Now, I don't know if I'm going to beat this game. I don't, I don't know what mileage I'm going to get out of it. I've only played the first, um, a level and a half. So I'm very early on, but I will say that what I did play, um, actually took me by surprise. Uh, pleasantly, and um, I'm gonna probably keep at it a little bit and and, and uh, devote a little bit of time in my gaming sessions to uh, to playing this one. Uh, so I'm I'm coming away from this uh, feeling pretty good, and um, you know glad that it was available on PlayStation Plus uh, to try out for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's pretty much all I got for loadouts, man. Uh, anything else you want to cover before we jump into the? Uh, the, the showcase hell? No. <laughs> or are uh, we good? No, we'll talk about some other stuff that we might be playing uh, in later gotcha. uh, this week's episode. Uh, Indeed. We got a lot of stuff. We got a lot of catching up to do in the next week or two just because of Game Fest and yeah. everything has kind of pushed back some stuff that we might have talked about in the past. So, But we'll, we'll, we'll be here ready for you when, when you're ready. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into our next segment. I guess we can call this our hit points, uh, but it's going to be a very Games Fest focus hit, uh, hit points. But let's go ahead and jump into that right now. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for hit points. All right. Uh, so, Pablo, more games showcases took place uh, throughout the week. I, I missed a, a, about half of them because I was out of town, uh, as I said at the top of the show, uh, when you politely asked me how I was doing. Um, nope, and I appreciated the question. Um, <laughs> um, so we got four more of these hoes to talk about, man. Uh, we have the Capcom showcase. We have the Xbox and Bethesda's extended showcase. We have the Overwatch 2 overview. And then we have the Final Fantasy VII 25th anniversary stream. Uh, that took place as well. So we're going to unpack all four of these. We're going to talk through uh, some of the main things that uh, caught our attention, uh, whether good or bad. And uh, and then we're going to round it out uh, at the end uh, by giving you guys what we feel is our best game of the, uh, of the showcases and some honorable mentions. And then we're going to also uh, tell you our biggest disappointment along with some dishonorable mentions uh, as well. So stick around uh, to the end of the show to catch all of that. You don't want to miss it. If you do, I'm going to hate you forever. So let's not, let's not go there. Uh, instead, let's go to Capcom first. Let's start there, Pablo. Um, we're not going to spend a lot of time on all these uh, um, items. Some of these we'll kind of breeze through because there isn't much to say or we're just not a big fan of, of certain franchises. I think that's probably the best place to start in describing um, their Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak uh, expansion content, uh, which looks great, looks really good. Looks like if you're a Monster Hunter fan, that's going to tick a lot of boxes for you and, and going to be awesome. Um, but I think I can speak pretty comfortably on Pablo's behalf by saying, not really for us. I yeah. wish I was a fan of Monster Hunter, though. I really do. I, like, I, I wish. I tweeted that. I was like, I wish I love this game. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish I yeah. love this game. If I was big on it, I would probably been losing my mind with some of the stuff they showed. But it looked good. Um, Street Fighter Six. Um, you know, they kind of talked about more updates coming by the end of the year, uh, which is nice to see. 
Uh, last time we saw more of Street Fighter Six, we saw some guile action, uh, which was kind of cool. So, you know, again, me and Pablo aren't the biggest Street Fighter fans in the world. I think Six looked really attractive to me, yeah. um, you know, in a surprising way. Uh, but, you one, know, we're not huge on it, so I don't have much to say there. One thing I'll say about Street Fighter Six is that they have that new control scheme, the modern scheme, where uh, many people have likened it to Smash Brothers, where it's very streamlined. Uh, I think the Hayuken is like one button press and directional. Mm. So, like, they, they have these little kind of things for people who would want to experience the story because apparently the story is is nice in the game it's meaty right so I, I, i'm I, i'm not a street fighter fan at all but that alone would make me want to play this game because if i can just kind of I, just not a fan of the setup the super the setup to whatever the way they, yeah. they, they, they i'm not a fan of that so I, I i'm looking forward to this more than i thought i would for sure yeah i don't want i don't want to get sweaty i don't want to play against sweaty people I just want to, you know, if I do ever get around to, to, to buying it, I just want to, you know, if they have that kind of mode, that's perfect for me. Just something yeah. simple so I can experience the game and move on. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, no here's no something shame. I don't want to, ex- I don't want to experience this this next game, Pablo. I don't want to experience Ooh, this boy. at all. Exo Primal. We got a new gameplay overview trailer. Uh, we find out they're going to do some kind of network test, which is whatever. Uh, it's coming out in 2023. Pablo, this game still makes absolutely zero sense to me man i don't know why this game exists this is a weird game in their portfolio but talk about it its existence is is weird and it looked bad like it looked like and when i say look bad it just looked like an old game it looked like if this say hey this is a remaster of a 360 game i'd be like oh yeah that makes sense because it just looks not great uh you got dino crisis staring you right in the face and you decide i'm gonna do this let's go with exo primal which is a multiplayer fucking Musou like co-op yeah four player co-op dynasty warriors but dinosaur warriors yeah. type of thing nah, like, I don't get it at all this ain't for me yeah I this ain't it either I don't I don't I don't <laughs> I don't think we're gonna be talking about this one uh anytime soon probably last time you um, ever hear me say exo primal uh, I don't yeah I just don't like the, the name, name. Yeah. The name, man, it's just all of it is just bad. Yeah. Uh, and not even in the intentionally bad kind of way. I know they're trying to go for that, but it's still just it's cringy to, from top to bottom. It, this and Forspoken are battling it out for the cringiest game uh, that I've seen in a while. Oh, um, cringe or just Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Damn, just pure cringe. I don't think Forspoken's on this level, but <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It's 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 neck and neck in my book. But anyways, uh, so we move on from dinosaurs to dragons. With Dragon's Dogma, they announced they were going to have a 10th anniversary stream announced uh, for the 16th. We got to the 16th, and they messed around and announced a sequel, Pablo. Yeah, I would. I gotta admit, I'm not. I've never been. I've never been like a huge fan of this, but I'm actually kind of excited that they decided to greenlight a sequel. The way How do you feel the about internet this? is reacting to this news, it's like they like like if Dragon Dogma is like a a game that's equal to like. A Final Fantasy kind of bro, people lying. I want people to stop. Pablo, Dra- Dra- <laughs> Dragon Dogma ain't Come, ain't a tenth year anniversary kind of like game that we celebrate. Like y'all keep talking about this goddamn game like it's some kind of like revolutionary RPG. Like I, look, I'm sure it's fine when it came out. Then, like I see people talk about it. Well, it's so bad, it's good. Uh, then, like the uh, what pisses me off is more like people reacting to it. Like the oh my god, I can't believe they actually did. I'm like, bro, I never, I follow you ass for over a decade. Never <laughs> oh. heard you say dragon or dogma in the goddamn same sentence. Like, get out of here. 
Wait a minute. No, I can't let you be that negative, bro. Like, the, I, the, 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 it's a cult classic game. There's no question there. It's a cult classic game. But what? But that's yeah, that's part of why there. There's part of that's why it's exciting to a lot of people because it was one of those games where it's like y'all keep talking about it and anniversary this and that and you guys remastered it a couple years ago and or whatever and and y'all just won't make a sequel. So it just it was one of those games that it felt is, probably impossible so to shit. get a sequel for. Uh, probably not, but I, I I do think that series deserved another shot. So just I'm, sitting I'm at glad. A 70, 76 in Metacritic, like reacting like we talking about nineties. Fuck out of here with oh that bullshit. Dark Arisen, my ass. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Why did you drag I, no, no, that I'm, word out? No, I'm just oh I just I, this game is always people are always talking about this game one way or the other, but it just feels like a weird kind of like. Uh, Suddenly, it, it it's entered the zeitgeist in a way where people are really talking about it like it's some kind of like revolutionary RPG. Well, honestly, I heard people talk about them liking the idea of this game, but like the fact the way the way they're talking about it, it's like oh, it's a little weird. Like I never really heard people talk about Dragon's Dogma like this. Like it's it feels a little I don't know, overhyped, man. just a little overhyped. I, I I don't know if I'm rocking with that, but I, I'm I'm still glad nevertheless that they're they're not just green lighting. Uh, Resident Evils and Street Fighters and Monster Hunters. You know that they're actually as much as I'm dunking on Exo Primal too. I, I like the fact that they're tr- they're taking some chances and going against the grain a little bit. Um, but you know, I, I think it's cool. I, it, does it do anything for me? No, but I'm I'm glad they're doing it. I, and I'd like to see if um, with another shot um, at it, they they can do something special. And maybe um, they'll so sell I, ten I, copies I'm, this time. Ten copies. Wow, this man is I'm pessimistic. From six, you know. Six people on Twitter talking that Patricia today. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. We're moving on. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about a series that uh, that really needs no introduction uh, and is bona fide, and that is Resident Evil. They they went hard, Pablo, yeah. with Resident Evil coverage. Um, man, let's start with Resident Evil Village. We find out. Uh, I guess they're calling it the Gold Edition or something yeah, like yeah. that. Uh, but it's basically uh, DLC announced, uh, starting with a Shadow of Rose. Uh, side story uh, that features uh, obviously Rose, who is Ethan's daughter from uh, Resident Evil Seven and By Eight. By the way, um, little, like some spoiler because uh, Capcom's gonna give a fuck about spoiling Village, man. At all, they spoil the shit out this game. Man. Yeah, they didn't care. They didn't care. Yeah. But so, so she made it, yeah. um, and uh, she is uh, got her own little game here. Though, um, sorry, though I would say I'll be interested. Somebody who never played Village. And they say she made it, and the way we find Rose in pieces is like, how the fuck is bitch alive? <laughs> Yo, Capcom is wild for that, yeah. by the way. I never got past the fact that she was in straight up jars <laughs> in this video game. Oh, there goes her ankle. <laughs> like, wait a second. Uh, nevertheless, um, DLC's coming out with that content. Also, uh, adding some new mercenaries, including Lady D. Heisenberg is also going to be in there, too, which looked really, really fun. Uh, and on top of that, Pablo, they also revealed a third person mode for the main story and, uh, actually shadow of Rose is going to be taking place in all third person as well. Um, which speaks to me that they are completely moving away from first person, I think in the future. Uh, at least that's my, my, my speculation. Yeah. Someone said that don't be surprised if you see a, um, a resident evil seven third person mode as well. Uh, and then you, you, and you'll see two, three, four, five, and obviously six, seven. Uh, yeah. 
I think that's where I, I, I never really approved of the, the whole first person thing to begin with, honestly. I, I thought that I mean, was I, too, I, against, I think, too against what Resident Evil is. Well, I see, the thing is, what I, when you look at the state of Resident Evil at the time with 5 and 6 being what they were, I think they wanted to go back to basics, but they needed to go back differently. And 7 did that for them. 7 got them back into the kind of like, oh, this is a good quote-unquote uh, Resident Evil game. I particularly yeah. wasn't a huge fan of it, but, you know, Me they wanted to kind of, Follow that success with Village, and I think ultimately what happened is they found they refound their success with R with uh, RE2 and RE3 remake, and now right. RE4. And so I hopefully what what happens next is they, they, they we get a, a Code Veronica remake, which I don't think it'll happen. I think they're doing mainline because I you know we're gonna get that RE1 remake uh, eventually. There's gonna be an anniversary that's coming up, and that's probably when we see that once they, they, they're done with the remix. But anyway, yeah, I, I think the third-person third mode, I think that's what Resident Evil really is all about. Uh, I wonder how it'll work. I hope it's not like this janky mess where it's like obviously not supposed to, the, you're not supposed to play the game this way. I hope it really works out. I hope it feels as good as you would expect this game if it were to come out natively as a third-person uh, uh, action game. Yeah, one of the things they said in the presentation was that they added in all of all the animations that would be necessary. So when yeah. you're getting attacked, they're not just taking what you would see in first person and making you watch that in third person. Like they've created all new animation sets for uh, those types of movements and interactions with yeah. things. So that gave me a lot of confidence that it wasn't just sort of, to your point, like shoehorned in. Yeah. Uh, but they actually made it like a real integral thing where it feels like it's legit, uh, which is really to dope. to see how they, how they take... They probably just would just keep it in first person. That at the end part when you're riding that tank. Oh like, yeah, that's that right. Look? I didn't even yeah. think about that. Yeah, that's gonna be weird to see what they do there. That's yeah, that is yeah. a, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, speaking of Resident Evil, man, they kept it going. We got some uh, a little bit extra glimpses at Resident Evil 4's remake. We saw um, mostly it was the same gameplay. Some some it was like teeny 40 bits seconds of new of stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I I don't know if I have anything necessarily new to say about any of it. I just think it it is continuing to to be uh, one of my most exciting. Uh, you know, one of the best games that I've seen um, in, in a while. Uh, and with Resident Evil 4 being such a classic game, uh, this this is going to be a huge one for me next year. I'm so, I played yeah. uh, I played some RE4 the other day. I don't get I don't care what anybody says. That game's unplayable currently. Mm. Uh, and anybody who I I, I to this day I still hear people say I don't think RE4 need a remake. Yes, it motherfucking did. Absolutely, it did. <laughs> Are you crazy? First of all, because it's such a great game and, and seeing it. And, and you know, with with new graphics is awesome, but also, man, you know they they were working, they were getting out of the tank controls, they were still working that out, man. Mm. RE4 is hard to play today. It really is, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of uh, single analog stick movement. Yeah, uh, of mm-hmm. you know, kind of having to navigate that way. So it, yeah. it, it's it's time. It's, it's definitely time. There's no question there. Um, and. At the very end of the showcase, they also announced that the uh, next-gen upgrades for Resident Evil 2, 3, and 7 uh, were going to be live right there and then. And sure enough, they were right. Um, I have been playing Resident Evil 2 uh, in the uh, PS5 version uh, next-gen upgrade uh, with ray tracing on. And other than some occasional frame rate dips here and there, um, it looks really really good uh, i'm so excited to replay uh two and three i don't know if i'll get to seven because like i said earlier i'm with you I'm, I'm not a big i'm not a big seven guy but um i'm really glad to see that Especially they came back R two and three 
It's hard. Yeah, it's hard going back to that again. Uh, the creepy country family, you know. We're going to kill you. We'll kill We're going to kill you. you. <laughs> going to make a squeal. Got to kill you, um, babe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. They added a 3D audio in as well for P- the PS5 version at least. So I'm enjoying that. It, it sounds really, really good. Um, so I'm, I'm actually putting in some work with that game. You so put, uh, they, they came out nice. Yeah. And our RG and our Twitter page, you put up some, uh, some pictures showing the, um, yeah, the ray tracing stuff. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. look, that lighting is important. Those kind of games, man, that look it is. clean. Yeah, it is. I, I want to keep telling myself that ray tracing is overrated. Um, and I think in a way it kind of is. is in some, in some sense, in some sense, but I do think that there are cases where it is quite transformative, and I think yeah. this is actually one of those games where it works really well. Not so much for like reflections, but the lighting and the shadow for a horror yeah. game. That's that's massive. I think that ray tracing is amazing advancement in video game technology. The problem is, is the way it's marketed. Like it's some kind of revolutionary, like like and like this ray tracing makes the game better. Like no, right, not really. You know, not at yeah, all. It's yeah. not a graphical upgrade. It's a lighting thing. You know, that's the other thing that, that that people use the term ray tracing as if like a end all be all. Like, oh, this game has ray tracing. That means it's graphically looks good. No, ray tracing is lighting centered. And so having a horror game like this, RE2, which is you know in a mostly dimly lit environment, that that light and, and that light source coming from the right angles and and, and it's. It just the shadow, the, yeah, the shadows, shadows yeah. and the reflections. Yeah, it, it makes it. It does make a massive difference. There's it no does. question about it. Um, but yeah, that's gonna wrap up the showcase, man. I thought this was a pretty solid one from Capcom overall. Yeah. Uh, we're not gonna do grades for these, by the way, guys. We're just gonna kind of keep running through them. But uh, I liked this show. I thought it was a really solid one. Uh, obviously, Exo Primal to me is a low, but I thought yeah. they kind of did a great job here. And Resident Evil continues to be um, just an incredible comeback story. Uh, coming off the heels of where it was at with like five and six, just kind of jumping the shark like it did. So uh, I'm so excited that Resident Evil is in such great shape uh, for the future, man. So, oh yeah. Uh, but that's that's gonna do it for the Capcom side, man. So why don't I go ahead and uh, hand you the reins here? Uh, because up next is the Xbox. Uh, Xbox, just one buck. Uh, Xbox, two buck, three buck, four. <laughs> Xbox and Bethesda's extended showcase. Uh, I didn't get a chance to catch this one live. I know you got a chance to check it out, so that's why you're going to take point on this one. Uh, so what do you got here? Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it was exactly what they said it would be. It kind of like an expansion of what they've already shown with some dev, uh, com- uh, some dev interviews and commentary. It was fine. I mean, it wasn't anything like... Uh, it enhanced the showcase. It didn't really do anything to move forward. However, there were some small announcements. Uh, Valheim, which is like the huge hit from last year, the PC game, is coming to Xbox Day One and Game Pass. It's also a console exclusive, which is, uh, you know, it's pretty good. I mean, I, I, I looked up some Valheim stuff. It's definitely not a game that I, I'm too interested in playing, but it was a huge hit uh, last year on Steam. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, creators of uh, Friday the 13th video game uh, showed off their Texas Chainsaw Massacre game, which is, I, I, I didn't know that was a thing that was happening, coming 2023. Mm. It's also going to be on Game Pass, which is uh, w- which was the announcement, because it's, it's a multi-platform, but it's coming on Game Pass. Uh, okay. People who love this game, Slam Rancher 2, was shown with more gameplay. Uh, they're saying it's still coming out for 2022. The people who love Slam Rancher doubt that date is going to happen. I don't I don't know what Slam Rancher is. Uh, it sounds I like can't something. even tell you what Slam Rancher is, period. Yeah, it sounds no like something I'd be doing in the bedroom. <laughs> Yummy. Uh, anyway, uh, Fall Guys will have a Master Chief being 
which is a character when it launches on Xbox. Um, if you think that's cool, I don't want to be your friend. Uh, yeah. Stalker 2 showed a support vi- video, a support Ukraine video, showing the devastation of Ukraine endured and how it's affected them. It's actually was, it was actually pretty, you know, impactful kind of video, seeing everything that's happening and, and just kind of just... Uh, it, it, was a, it, was, it was pretty uh, pungent, but I, I think ultimately... Um, it, it it was a really cool thing that they did there, kind of showcasing that. Now did they? Now I also think they announced it was getting delayed to March. Is yep. that correct? Yeah. Uh, then they showed. Yeah. After that, they kind of showed the whole intro of the game itself, uh, mm. j- like in the first five minutes, and then they did, which we already kind of knew through some uh, the way that they were talking about it is that it, it it has been delayed to the first half of 2023, kind of following that uh, that theme that you know in the next 12 months we'll we'll see these games. Um, um, real quick though, I, I think at this point they need to stop putting a date yeah at this stage of the game uh that's my only state like i totally understand the situation i'm not even gonna you know try to hold that against them at this point now i have not agreed at all with a lot of things they've done in the past the nft stuff like that to me was a massive mistake so i'm not going to give them all the bail in the world but the, the one thing that i will say right now is I think it's time to stop giving us different dates. If you got to just de- de- delay it indefinitely until you are absolutely sure, because this is kind of like the third or fourth time this yeah. has happened. I think, uh, so I'm a little tired of that. I think the game is mostly ready. One of the reasons I think it was coming out in December was because it was uh, they were operating under the impression that Starfield was coming out in November. So I think that's why they had it in December. And, and now it's just kind of like you know getting this ready uh, a game ready to go um so i that's okay. pro- i think they're confident in that um but yeah but i, I agree with you i i think uh with everything that's happened i think i keep saying i think because i do think a lot uh but uh i think xbox is <laughs> really um smart in a way to kind of not give a lot of dates out just kind of give a window because Things are getting delayed left and right, and that's not that's not just Xbox. That's everybody. Like it's everybody. when you, yeah, when you exactly. look at yeah. when you look at the 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 roadmaps, which we'll, we'll be doing that I think later this week, uh, of games coming out. We don't. It, it's up. You throwing that shit up in the air. We don't know when half the stuff is coming out. So, you know, you're right to your point. I think that maybe they should not uh, start announcing dates because we just don't know what's going to happen here. After after the, the showcase, you know, they did sit down with Pete Hines, but Pete Hines really just talked around shit. He didn't really... He almost felt like he was defending, you know, everything that was going on in the studio. I That stuff didn't really appeal to me. However, IGN did have an interview with Todd Howard here about, um, about Starfield, and that was... That was massive. That interview was like huge, and I'm surprised that that wasn't part of the extended showcase. You know, have Todd Howard sit down and everything he said in the interview is like gave you gave you way more insight about the actual game than okay. um, than uh, than what the trailer did. So basically. Um, and I'll break down some stuff, and you can interject if you have any questions. Do you want me yeah, to let's just kind of go line by yeah. line if you can, and we'll 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 unpack it as we go. Obviously, being an open-world RPG, nothing in Starfield is mandatory to do. You can explore a critical path, base build, ship build, be a pirate, spend time in space, or just combination of those things. Each of those things can be done independent of each other. Like, you can just 
build a ship, like have resources. You'd never have to go uh, mainline to, to, to reach those kind of uh, uh, aspects of the game. As previously announced, um, Starfield will have a thousand planets to explore. As you'd expect, some of those planets will be procedurally generated. Stop um, right there. Yeah. Stop uh-huh. right <laughs> there. <laughs> well, let me let me let me let me give you the next line because it goes hand in hand okay. with that. Okay, Todd okay. Howard did after he said that did say that this is the most handcrafted work they've done on any game ever. So even though they are going to procedurally generate games, they've never done as much as handcrafting for the each of these maps. And they did say that you will see Critical Path and Goldilocks planets clearly marked uh, from different from other planets that aren't that might be procedurally generated all right go ahead so one of the biggest questions i have about this whole planet count yeah of, a, of over a thousand is why that's right that is a massive question that i have i don't it, i don't understand the value in it i guess is my biggest issue you know having a, over a thousand planets i guess if you want to say well that just kind of you know, taps into the vastness of, of space and the possibilities are endless and, and we're, we're kind of giving you a taste of that feeling. I guess I understand it from that perspective, but this is a video game. Yeah. And at, at, at a certain point, you have to have a level of restraint. And I almost wonder, would the game have benefited more from having less planets that are more uh, densely populated or have, you know, interesting little Easter egg things to discover as opposed to, I guess trying to uh, shock and awe us with quantity yeah. is is my issue, um, I, and I don't know if they really ever. Maybe they did later on in this interview, but they don't really address that. Like, what is the rhyme and reason behind wanting to have this number? No, they never really they talk about it. I, I do think what they were kind of saying is they've done procedurally generated stuff for other games, uh, like. Um, their Elder Scrolls games and even Fallout games for certain aspects. So they're, they're, I think what they're saying is we we were able to do this because we had the technology to do so. Um, I, I, I agree. I find it interesting that he says, but by the way, Critical Path planets and Goldilocks planets, planets with actually life form in them, will be clearly marked. So it almost feels like the other stuff is fodder. Like It's like, hey, just because you can, probably, most likely, they'll, they'll be like, like a, 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 a constellation you can go to and in this area of these five or six maps, you'll find certain resources that you won't find anywhere else. Um, that's probably what's going to happen. Kind of like the Mass Effect thing where you're going onto these planets and just kind of like mining it, except you'll actually I be guess. on planet. I mean, look, I, I my, my only issue with this would be is if we have five or six valid planets and everything else is procedurally generated, that would be worst case. That would be horrible. I The way he was talking about it, and the way he specifically wanted to say the most handcrafting they've ever done in any game, I think that there's going to be at least every 100 areas, or probably be about, a, I would say, maybe about 100 planets that have something to do in them that are not specifically pursued generated. And if that's the case, that's great. You know, it's cool, like you said, to your point, have the vastness of planets and all this and discover stuff. Because you can land on these planets and build your base in on, in those planets. You can do that. So, like, you know, you can you can land on a planet that has no kind of resources or no livable creatures, but you can actually build a base there or whatever and just live there. Like, you know, that's one of the things that they I, said. Like, yeah, you know. I, I suppose. Yeah, I, I mean, guess. I, I guess my, my, my biggest thing also, uh, and, and I'll let you keep going in a second, I just think that the, 
and, and I'm glad we do this podcast, man, because we, we, we got receipts of, of stuff we've said in the past. Mm-hmm. And when you were out, um, you know, I had uh, recorded something by myself and I talked about I, I don't want this rollout to be full of Todd Howardisms from yeah. Todd Howard. And that is exactly what is going on right now. The most handcrafted game. What does that actually mean? Really? Well, it just means you have an ambitious game. Saying that the, we have the most this and the biggest that that well, we've ever done and the, and the, and the most of, of this thing. Like, I, I'm okay. I get it. You uh, have scoped a massive game. I just, I get really annoyed with, I'll say this, and this is probably a bit of a hot take, but I think Todd Howard's PR, um, it, 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 it leaves a lot of room for misconstruing the actual details of the yeah. game. Uh, and it puts too much hyperbole on things because at the at the showcase at the first showcase, he stopped at over a thousand planets and he left it at that right, and that's where you had the most technically I, I would imagine out of the two showcases the most eyes were on the you know the Sunday show, and he just left it at over a thousand planets. Then later on, you find out a few days later, well, there's a bit of a caveat to that. It's some of them are procedurally generated, some of them are not, and I'm not saying that. I didn't expect that to right, an extent. Right, right. Designing a thousand planets is absurd, right? So there's no way I thought he was going to do that without procedural generation. My thing is, when you had an opportunity to make yourself clear the first time around, you didn't do it because it was it was cooler and, and more buzzworthy to say over yeah. a thousand planets. And then I, you just drop the mic and we go, whoa, and what? That's the, and that's the problem with that whole entire demo is that I think he wanted that to be the mic drop moment and it just kind of rang a little hollow because it's like wait a minute we're not dumb like that means a lot of right generation but i i when he said handcrafted he did say that after he talked about the procedural generation so generating stuff so i'm thinking more or less like hey yeah it's gonna have a lot of procedural generated stuff but a lot of planets will be handcrafted by us specifically you know the mainline ones and the gold but again we'll see how that 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 uh that kind of pans out. Um, your character, I, I would like your take on this, whether or not this is something you like or not. Um, your character will be a silent protagonist, but the game will have over 200,000 uh, lines of dialogue, which is pretty massive. Um, uh, I think uh, Fallout 4 had over 500, but your player is also voiced at that one. So um, what do you think about your character being a uh, silent protagonist? So it's it's kind of a loaded question because I think that puts more pressure on the characters around you yeah. to be Good. extra special. Yeah. Uh, if if you're just going to be choosing text based responses for your for your avatar, right? So I think I don't mind the fact that that, that it's not voiced. I would have yeah, preferred same. being voiced. I would have liked that. That would have been more immersive for me personally. Um, however, it's fine. But you better have a good group of characters around or, you know, interesting plot threads happening that make the silence not so deafening, if that makes yeah, sense. I, I agree. I, I also think that I, I think Fallout 76 has done a lot to kind of like bar their Bethesda's like uh, talent. But I think that they, they're good at that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I'm, I'm OK with the with the protagonist being silent, especially with with Fallout 4, which I like the voice protagonist is fine. It's just sometimes when you pick the, uh, a kind of option, uh, a speech option or a line, it was just like words, you know, and so you don't know exactly what he said. If, if it's a silent protagonist, the options are like completely 
text you know typed out to exactly how you're going to respond I, I, i'm good with that and to your point yeah the, the characters do have to be special and have to stand out more because they are doing all the heavy lifting with the emotionality of of the entire exactly kind of, uh, exactly yep. himself. yeah um i'm interested to see how you feel about this because I, I thought it was pretty cool but we'll see what you think when it comes to your ship todd howard said that the team took inspiration from ftl you can deep dive into the customization of your ship and how it works diverting power for example diverting power from certain parts of the ship to power others is a function you can utilize what do you think about that so are you familiar with ftl yeah yeah i am um it man i i'm not trying to be difficult with the answer but it's going to depend on how much time it's going to depend on how much time you spend up in space and 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 what the incentive is of doing so right right because if you have that kind of functionality or, or feature set that's great but if I'm only going up there to, um, you know, find a random planet, land somewhere, do my thing, and in between I'm just I might get into a skirmish somewhere, you know, then I don't necessarily know how much value that kind of feature set would have. So I would like to think that if they're doing that, that that means that there's a legitimate reason to want to spend an extended amount of time in in spacecraft mode, or you know, like especially when you think about how they like you can bring your own staff into your ship kind of thing, right? So does that mean while I'm in space, I can um, go out, uh, like, I guess, back out of flying mode and, and walk around like the Normandy like, like while I'm in space? Can I do that? Like, I, I think you can, yeah. It, it, well, that, yeah, I, I just want confirmation on that stuff because I, then I would actually be excited about that because it makes me feel like there's value to being up in space and I'm not just... I'm not just getting in a spacecraft to go to a planet, but I can actually do things in between, right. um, managing stuff or whatever that that makes it more worthwhile to be up there for so long. Yeah, that I'm really excited about that. I just want to know how it's implemented. Is it going to be like menu? Like, have you like? Are you gonna pull up a menu and just like, oh, divert power from here to here? Yeah, which, yeah. Could, which I think could be done in a good way. Or is it you have to physically like get up from your chair or have a, a crew member and a, you know they haven't explained what that is, but I think that you know. He he specifically said FTL, so that that is kind of exciting to me. Another thing that he said was, which I found interesting, and I think Ryan McCaffrey, who was uh, interviewing, also found uh, he he made a point to say that's pretty interesting. Is when it comes to dogfighting with your ships, Tahari clarified that they did not want to make a fast-paced twitch shooter, uh, but approach that but approach they that uh, an inspiration they took was from Mech Warrior, a more methodical pace of combat, where it gives you instead of like your twitch shooting out there like like Corvus for a, a game from last year, it's not yeah. a twitch shooter. It's a more like Star Trek, you know, like shoot lasers or whatever it's more like that um i thought that was interesting because i i wonder if that's kind of a response to the the report out there saying that the 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 flying was bad uh maybe they were trying to be a little twitchy and they're like okay let's slow it down and kind of make it this thing because i i don't know how much of dog fighting will happen i don't know how often that's going to be but i think this is an interesting approach i just again i wonder in implementation how it's going to actually work yeah, same. I mean, it, the first thing that came to my mind when you were saying that was like Assassin's Creed ship battles. Oh, you know? yeah. Like, Good point. Good the, point. In a lot of ways, those are hulking ships. So you can't just zip around and turn around Good 180 point. real yeah. fast. You got to kind of you got to figure it out as you're going. You got to go slow. Right. So I think if they can figure out a way to, to, to do what Assassin's Creed did and make that pace uh, still feel entertaining and exciting. Um, despite not, you know, zipping through space like a TIE fighter or something, then I think that it can work. 
Um, but it, I think it will ultimately uh, come down to what kind of attacks you can do and how you defend yourself, how you uh, evade. Because if it is if it is that slow, how do you evade? Do you have like well, a shield the, on your ship? Like what that's is right? It? If it's the FTL thing, maybe it's like you know use divert power to right. shields or something like that. Um, also, staying on kind of the ship combat stuff, they said you can board ships and steal them as well. Uh, the experience when it comes to ship combat and gameplay isn't just focused on shooting each other in space. So okay. that's interesting. You know, I I like that they're putting a lot of emphasis on this because it looks like you know it. Uh, when he said that you can just be a space pirate, I was like, okay, I'm not, uh, that sounds mm. kind of boring. But then if you can actually board ships and do all that stuff, that that lends a little bit more to like, okay, so I you can really role play as a space pirate in that way. Yeah. Um, they're still tinkering with the amount of character backgrounds, but the latest build has about 20 backgrounds which act as character classes, each with unique abilities and traits. Uh, so, you know, there's even okay. a cook. I saw one. He was particularly tickled about that. Todd Howard saying there's a cook uh, background where it has certain things that you can do mm. that are more like focused on certain methodical aspects of combat or because, you know, the cook, I guess, measure things. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, th- this is where it becomes a matter of quantity again. You know, yeah. like it, it, I, I think it's cool they have that that many, but I would rather have less and there. It, but those backstories play more of a role in how the narrative yeah. unfolds than just having 20, 25 of them. And it really only ends up being um, an ability choice. You yeah, know what I mean? At the end of the day, certain things, yeah. more of a bat and less of a background thing that doesn't creep up later. Like when you think about Mass Effect 1, you pick your background, you were a colonist or spaceborn yeah, really or whatever. And you hear like right away, oh, you know, because of Shepard's past with blah, 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 you know. And I want more of that kind of peppered in throughout the narrative. And it doesn't usually work that way with games like this. No, it just kind of comes with and goes. Games. I, I wonder yeah. if I wonder if like uh, with with twenty classes, if there's kind of like Disco Elysium, where in Disco Elysium you can be like a a art a a, a was it like a a hobo art cr- critic or something yeah. like that. You can just mix these uh, all these up. I wonder if, if that's going to be something that they do here. They didn't kind of hint we'll at that, but with so many backgrounds, I'm assuming maybe. You know, you can be of multiple backgrounds, you know, so yeah. I wonder if some, yeah. Um, Todd Howard, they, you know, to, um, McCaffrey asked if how much of a classic Bethesda game this is, and then there will be the famous step out moment. And he said that there will be a, 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 a very like specific uh, step out moment. And due to the magnitude of the game and discoveries that you make throughout the game, there might be multiple times that that happens. Uh, so th- that's cool to know that they're still pretty much like keeping that uh, DNA yeah. in the game itself. Uh, New Atlantis is the biggest city Bethesda has ever created. It's also the biggest <laughs> city in the game. <laughs> the uh, most blank ever created. It's, I love Todd Howard, man. Yeah. I hate him. I, I hate him. <laughs> it's a place where you'll find a lot of the time. Uh, uh, you'll spend a lot of time, especially during critical path quests. Uh, think he's at like I guess think the Citadel for Mass Effect as as a, you will a, spend the most time ever created at our <laughs> play. Like, what time? Uh, speaking of critical path, Todd Howard said uh, he would just focus um, if you just focus on critical path quests. They're current they're currently clocking in the game at around thirty five to forty hours, and that's only critical path, like not doing a single side mission. Uh, but they're, they're still tinkering with that. They're saying that that could be lower or higher, depending that, on certain aspects yeah, of the game. That sounds like the most critical path ever created. <laughs> Shut up. <Sorry. laughs> uh, 
Uh, also confirmed that Tahar won't be. Oh yeah, and then ultimately he finished off saying that uh, you know after Elder Scrolls Six they'll be working on Fallout Five. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, which yeah, I'll, I'll be, be in my fifties. To... I'll be in my fifties when that game releases. Yeah, which is crazy. I was like, all right, Todd Howard, it's time to pass. It's time to pass the franchise maybe to a different team. Then if it's going to take that long, I'm I mean, saying, come on, pass the blank. And, and that's the funny thing. They specifically said, "Hey, would you consider changing?" You know, developing like, nah, nah, that's mine. Mm, okay. Yeah. Anything about Redfall? Yeah, so then IGN also had a conversation with Harvey Smith, which is the creative director of Redfall. Oh, okay. Um, he said Redfall was created as a single-player experience in mind, uh, and he dubbed it a classic arcane experience. He is a co-op. Uh, the co-op of the multiplayer is a feature of the game, but this isn't Destiny or any kind of type of shared world. Uh, players who join will get character progression, but only the host in the game will receive a story progression. A player who hasn't reached the same story mission as host in their playthrough will not be able to drop in and play on someone who's more advanced in the story. Um, mission flow is critical to the core experience of Redfall, meaning mm. uh, when you're playing, it's not like... It, it's, it, it isn't like... Destiny, where you go, oh, do this mission, do this quest. There is a flow. There's a story being told. It is a very, um, uh, it's a very uh, like, uh, how, how would you say that? Like a um, single player experience. It's a very, um, it's curated to be a single player in that way. So the story, the ebb and flow of the story itself, is is Got you. is connected. It's not mm. dis- doesn't feel disjointed like mission okay. two, mission three. Um, at the start of the game, you'll pick between the four characters: was a J- Jacob, Layla, Remy, and uh, Devinder. Each with unique skills. Interesting that I found interesting is that you can't switch characters once you pick your character. Once you pick the character, you are locked into that character. You are not able to switch out because, again, they're doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on this being a single player experience. So once you pick the player, that's he said to treat that as basically like your main character, like a Corvo or uh, anybody from any other other games that they've played before. Like that's your main character. Um, Man, it I is hope fully, you really enjoy playing as that character and don't change your mind because you got to start that hoe over. Yeah, that's great. I, I, Good I think job. he said the way the way you upgrade your characters, like you can upgrade them. They each have a core ability, but in uh, terms yeah. of everything else, you can upgrade them to make them feel to play them the way you want to play it. It is a fully open world. However, the entire map will not be available from the start. They divided into two districts. Uh, game fully opens up as you progress through the story itself. Kind of like what they did with Dying Light 2, where it's like open world, but there's two mm-hmm. sections of the game itself. Uh, dynamic okay. enemy AI, you can manipulate enemy, uh, enemy AI to attack others in the world, kind of like you can do in Far Cry games. Uh, other tidbits were like, you can have playable characters. Um, was it? Oh, you can have the same playable characters. Like, if I'm Jacob and you're Jacob and you can come to my game, we can both be Oh, Jacob. okay, that's cool. I yeah, was going to say, that would don't suck. Have to, if you like, yeah. sorry, can't play with Pablo because he picked the same that's right, quippy no, he, chick that you exactly. picked. Exactly. <laughs> you, you can have a four-player co-op of uh, all Laylos. Okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah, because he goes, again, you, could, you can make them, you can shape them the way you want. They're different enough to where like yeah. different players will play in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. There's no level cap to players who want to join. So if I'm a level 20 and you're level 1, you can join my game. You're going to end up struggling and dying a lot. But the trade-off here is that you can uh, upgrade 
uh, quickly. So Quicker. you know, there, there's okay. there's some of that stuff there. So yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, it's weirdly enough that none of these interviews were doing the Xbox press uh, extended showcase because these tidbits of information gave us way more information about these games than we've than we really knew. Like I, I knew nothing about Redfall. Uh, even with the trailer, like in terms of like how is this actually going to play, and now after yeah. I'm seeing this, after uh, seeing that interview, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I get it, I get what they're trying to do. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of reserve my thoughts about Redfall for later on. I yeah, think same, you same. Will too, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, we we definitely have some opinions on that, but we'll we'll, we'll get there. Just to stay tuned to the end. <laughs> um, but that that I think that wraps it up. Uh, the the Xbox and Bethesda yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So why don't we go ahead and move on to the next one, Pablo? I'm going to keep it over on your side of the court here, because uh, Overwatch 2's overview stream took place, uh, and you have the details to share, and we're going to unpack this as well. So talk talk to me about what you saw. So yeah, it's the Overwatch uh, 2 overview. Um, so they pretty much... I wrote all my notes down as to what's interesting to me. There's a lot of information that they gave, a lot of bullshit, a lot of them trying to be like, we're inclusive and we're the best. You know, I don't, okay. don't want to hear that shit. So uh, basically the Overwatch to uh, the second beta will include consoles, starts June 28th and will run until July 14th, which is pretty extensive. Uh, um, uh, beta. Everyone who signs up will get in. Access to beta will come in staggered waves. They're pretty much here testing the cross uh, plat stuff here. So uh, I- I'll be on it. I know Marco wants to wait on it a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be on there. I'm interested. I really, I really want to see how it feels. The five v five, which is the new kind of Overwatch meta. It's, it, it five v five, and they're reworked. All, pretty much all the tank classes have been reworked. So I'm interested to see how that works. Uh, when Overwatch 2 releases on October 4th, it'll launch with three new heroes, Sojourn, Junker Queen, and an unannounced hero, six mm. new maps, Rome, Toronto, New York City, Circuit Royale, Rio, Portugal, 30 new skins, and an, unannou- an unannounced game mode. Um, mm. Yeah, Overwatch team is planning a new hero every nine weeks. They were they made a very specific point to say that they understand they dropped the ball on Overwatch with the heroes and that, that the actual character... Uh, you know, them introducing your character was too too long yeah. in between, and pretty much the content ran dry. They're saying every nine weeks we're gonna get a new character, and in between we'll get a new map. Um, they're really uh, striving to make Overwatch to like a long, long term uh, thing. Um, this is interesting. Uh, Overwatch yeah. Two is transitioning from loot boxes to battle pass system. This hmm. is a good idea if implemented correctly. However, what what is your kind of confidence and faith in them making this not scummy and shitty? Especially with everything we saw with, with, with we've seen with um, uh, Halo uh, recently. Uh, well, and not only that, but Diablo Immortals kind of Diablo being, Immortals. Uh, that's uh, right. Yeah, more specifically Diablo Immortals. Just yeah. made by whack jobs over there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, if they are as serious as they're tone implies then they understand that a lot of what they have to do should be in the spirit of winning back some some fans that felt kind of abandoned after a while right and so if you are looking to get into the good graces of that community then you have to tread very carefully here with the battle pass system um Free-to-play games, which is what this is going to become, have a very spotty track record when it comes to battle pass systems and how they've introduced them. Uh, They can be obnoxious. Um, They can can include things that are 
you know, uh, teetering on essential or, or just like such a gratuitously, you kind of, you don't have to buy this, but you probably have to buy this kind of a feeling. And so I think they have to be very careful to not run that particular kind of risk um, when it comes to that. So, well, they were um, very, um, they, they seem to be very clear on that. It's cosmetic only. Um, there's charms and stuff like that for guns, sure. but it, it seems to be all cosmetic, which it's, it works with, I, I think Fortnite is the only one that I can think of that nailed it like p- pretty good in, right. in that sense where they, you know, a lot of their stuff is, is if you want it, play through it, you can get it, you know, um, if obviously if you missed it, then yeah, that's, it's going to be more difficult to get that way. But anyway, I, I do hope that they kind of implement modern aspects to the battle pass system for all the shit that uh halo gets the fact that you can go back to older seasons uh and 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 work through that battle pass is i think a very really like great and smart idea on on free-to-play games i hope that some something like that is implemented uh here but yeah normal loot boxes i'm gonna miss the 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 fucking uh basically the addiction you're gonna to miss getting opening. you're gonna miss getting dupes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah those sucked man you get the same thing over that's and over true. again that, and you get a little cash payout at the end and that's like, pe- like that's pent- true the uh, battle pass system uh, would would basically eliminate duplicates it would in that way. yeah yeah but then it becomes and see that's where it becomes a challenge for them too is now you have to like when you theme out your battle pass right you have to make sure that's compelling because if if you have yeah. some oh, weird thing. Yeah. some weird dumb theme that nobody cares about like when they had like the olympic tie in and stuff like that with overwatch 1 you know if that would be a battle pass for a couple months that would kind of be boring so i think they have to be very mindful of of making sure that their repository of of like cool ideas doesn't run dry fast on them and yeah. and i think i don't know if they specified like how long the battle passes are going to be good for but um, that's another component of this as well. I, I, man, I've like if it's I two months, I, three months, like I don't know, but like that's going to um, be crucial too. I think it's it's if I'm it's either nine weeks or split of that two and a half. Okay, yeah, it's nine weeks. It's nine weeks. It's nine weeks. It's tough, man, because then you have the downside of now. Okay, your battle pass is only good for two and a half months. Just gonna be kind of pumping I, this game money every two and a half. But here, here's months. what I, th- and I I agree, and I think that's when. So I'm blanking. Of course, what I'm doing here is blanking <laughs> on the game. I get. I, I mean, I guess all I'm trying to say is, I don't want this game to cost me. Um, you know, depending on the price of the battle pass, you know, yeah. sixty, seventy bucks a year. I don't. I don't want that. Right. And that's that's but, kind of becoming. That is the epitome of a live service game in all the wrong ways. I just don't want to keep funneling, you know, money to these people oh, well, and at some point. And I know it's all optional. I'm not saying right, that right, no right. one's got a gun to my head here, but you know, obviously we love Overwatch. So are they going to kind of exploit that and and say, yeah, well, yeah. I, I think what I was, I was kind of trying to get at is, is that Apex Legends has a battle pass system, but they also have their version of loot boxes. I wonder mm-hmm. if eventually with these events, those loot boxes will come back. Uh, specifically for these specific, uh, t- like the Olympic events, stuff like that. I wonder if that that's the case because it'd be really weird to have a Olympic uh, season. You know, I think it'll be events within that season, but then that that kind of throws it for a spin where it's like, 
am I going to be forced to participate in this event on this nine week yep. pass that I have? Yep. And I really want to kind of go through my battle pass. I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they thought of all this. We'll see how they implement it and we'll see what they come up uh, with uh, when it comes to kind of tackling these uh, quote unquote problems. Uh, mm-hmm. Crossplay and cross progression is confirmed, which is huge. You know, cool. if you're going to have a free to play yeah. game and you're not going to have crossplay specifically cross progression, you're crazy. Like, so it's mm-hmm. that's that's great. Um, December 6th, we'll have the introduction of a new tank hero, a new map, additional 30 skins, new battle passes. And when um, they introduce a new... Um, when they introduce a new battle pass, when you, once you buy the battle pass, apparently those 30 skins will be for available to you. Like, you don't have to unlock those skins. Oh, from the outset. They have additional... Okay skins within that season so every time for example it opens up with 30 skins you as soon as you uh buy the battle pass and overwatch when it comes out to 4th you'll have 30 new skins available to you um mm. a new pve mode this is interesting new pve mm. mode will have a focus on shifting narratives and perspectives uh so you'll probably play as uh, multiple characters uh story content will launch seasonally essentially an episodic approach to story content what do you think mm, about that? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if on paper that sounds too bad to me. Right. Um, I would have loved, obviously, for all this to have been packaged out of the out of the gate, uh, yeah. or at least have something to start with. Um, but you know, it, I'd rather them take their time to get it right because it is um, a really important piece of the puzzle. Now, um, people want to know who these characters are beyond just little, you know, banter moments before matches start you know what i mean yeah. so, or or like the the animated stuff when they announce a new character um so i i would rather if if it if, if it had to come down to it take your time get it right and um i'll be i'll be definitely around to check it out when it drops but i think the first one has to be a banger i yeah. really do like they have to make sure that that very first one Ca- like nails it, it. Yeah. um or else they're gonna lose a lot of momentum and, and excitement for the future ones yeah. for sure and the last, and last bit is that the ranking is less granular. Ranks will be more accurate. They're harder to obtain, but easier to keep. You know, back in, in with, with the with your ranking, like you can drop like there's like half a point and all this stuff, like all everything in between. Silly. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be less granular in that way. Um, it's like if you're platinum, you're platinum. Uh, it'll be harder mm-hmm. to get there, but it'll be easier to uh to stay once you're there because that they they feel if you get there, that means that is a more accurate. Uh, kind of uh, description of your skill set rather than just kind of you lost three matches in a row and all of a sudden you've fallen out of platinum because you had a bad team comp or something like that so that's okay. super huge for those who are lo- yeah. love the ranking stuff we sometimes get into that when the seasons come out we're really into it we'll, we'll play our 10 matches to, to get ranked and you know we do like to, to do well and I, I'm happy to see that we don't have to be afraid to play a, a, a ranked match because we got a bad team now so I'm right. going to drop my gold a little bit because you know I lost three games in a row or something like that. Right, so that's that, right. that's super important and I think that's like a really really cool um addition here where they're they're looking at everything. That's and that's kind of the the, the takeaway that I, I took from all this is that they're really looking at everything that that made Overwatch great and keeping that but also t- uh taking everything that made Overwatch not great and 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 kind of trying to work for it to work towards it making it good. So I uh, like Knocking it from six v six to five v five and reworking mm-hmm. all the tank. I mean, they, it, it, they're they're really trying to focus on all the little issues that people had that that kind of probably ruined the game for some in, in some aspects. So, well, and also, and then also to that point to to hopefully minimize or reduce the amount of toxicity in that community, like the yeah. raging and and all mm-hmm. that stuff, especially when it comes to people's ranks being on the line, like making it harder to or uh, easier to keep the ranking. 
hopefully will make things less contentious in that sh- in in the in the voice chat because that's yeah. it's abysmal in there. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, um, interested to see how that all shapes up uh, in October for me. I know you'll be playing the. Uh, the, the beta so you'll, you know i'm sure you'll yeah. let us know how that goes when it drops but yeah. uh yeah yeah interesting stuff for sure all right so then um you know i'll go ahead and tag back in to round things out with the final fantasy 7 25th anniversary stream 25 years man that is crazy that makes me feel mad old um, mad old bruh yeah i remember but, watching you play this game but old however could always be reborn, and that's because it's a terrible segue. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Rebirth, Pablo, is the second game. I thought it was in... Regirth. Oh, you don't need to. <laughs> we don't need to. We don't need to talk about girth on this episode of the show. All right. <laughs> that is thicker now. All, All right, right Cloud. You talking about his Buster Sword um, or his Buster <laughs> Sword? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Why are you doing this to my favorite franchise? Uh, the second game in what is now being called a remake trilogy, Pablo, uh, cool. that will Very be cool. launching in winter of 2023. Such a, I'm such a hypocrite. <laughs> Why is that? Because I'm like, when this first this first game, uh, when this game was announced, I'm like, man, fuck this shit. It's going to split this shit up on part one. When is the re-? And I'm like, trilogy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, and it's gonna be a console exclusive on PlayStation Five. Absolutely. Uh, so, side note, of course, and we'll probably touch on this in a moment, but no Final Fantasy VII tr- uh, trilogy, at least from what it sounds like uh, after this stream, that uh, coming to Xbox. So it's coming to uh, your nearest air fryer, but not Xbox. <laughs> It's gonna be everywhere but Xbox. Uh, I got some thoughts on that, and I think I think we're gonna be on the same page there too. But first, let's talk about the remake uh, or, or the rebirth um, game. It, look, when I saw Cloud and Seth walking together, uh, lock and step in them woods, uh, I I let out one of my little girly sighs. And <laughs> um. It looks like, I mean, they didn't show a whole lot, but yeah. between what they did show and some of uh, Aerith's dialogue that they talked about, like, or they they, uh, they, they played, um, you know, where it sounds like she has been told about the whole her dying in yeah. the original story. Like, I am yeah. hyped, dude. So, so, Child, like, childlike excitement for this one on my like part. A, where are you at? Like a small kind of spoiler here. It's not in my, like, uh, best of the show. Not because I don't think it's not because I don't think it's like that's super, I love the remake and I'm excited for it. It's just, it just didn't show much, but also I don't have, I got you no know. idea what the fuck they're talking about. So yeah. like, <laughs> so it's like well, all right, sure. Like that's why it's it's it's, it's that I'm super excited. I can't wait for this. It's probably gonna be top three. It was like top three. Uh, a remake was top three game of the year for me. Uh, it's, Rebirth is probably gonna do the same. But it just for me it was like this was definitely for the Final Fantasy VII fans, and I'm not a Final Fantasy VII fan really. So it's just one of those things where like you know I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna leave this one alone. I'll put this on my most anticipated or game of the show next year because uh, it'll probably show up at E3 mm. uh, then. But yeah, um, okay. I, I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought I was almost leaning that they weren't going to show it after they showed Crisis Core. I'm like, okay, this is going to be the big thing. And then when they go, oh, yeah, one more thing, I'm like, they're acting these motherfuckers are just going to do it. And then it said next winter. Like, oh, look, I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's still hype as fuck, man. That's that's That's, that's huge. pretty dope. That yeah. is huge. Now I want to say, uh, you know, and I won't, I won't make this a huge rant, so that so this show don't get, uh, doesn't get super long. But I think some of the uh, the, the the salt and sodium levels from Man. the Xbox fanboy community has been 
uh, pretty crazy. Uh, it's everything from I never liked it anyway. Persona's better. Uh, it, it just conveniently because it's 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 the series. It's now on Xbox and now it's suddenly better. You know, it, it, a week before you, know, you guys were like, "Oh my god, I can't wait till they announce it." I mean, now now you never liked it in the first place. It's yeah, all great. these guys. Um, it was like the, the number one prediction. Oh, Final yeah. Final oh, it's gonna it. happen. Oh, it wasn't even a prediction. It was like, oh, it's gonna happen. I know. Yeah. It's just gonna happen. And and listen, what what you know? Again, I won't make this a big rant, but I will say this. Listen. Not everybody wants to put games on Xbox. Listen, the Japanese market is not very strong on the Xbox side. No, they did okay for a little while there. They had a week of success, which was cool. But that's not that's not the um that's not where Square wants to put their eggs in, in terms of a basket to pick. They want to work with Sony. Uh, Final Fantasy has been predominantly a PlayStation-centric franchise for a long time. Yes, it's been multi-platform. They brought games over to Xbox. They brought stuff over to Switch. That's great. But this is still predominantly PlayStation-centric. Um, uh, and, and that's just what it is. And yes... Sony is spending money to keep it in 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 their camp only, and that's again, guys, that's how business works in but this I'm, industry. Well, you don't have to buy the milk. Uh, you you don't have to buy the cow if you just need the milk. Yeah, and that's what they did here, and it's working. And y'all can, we'll talk about one of the games that is coming to Xbox in a second, but. It is a matter of just looking at this and going, this is not what Square wants to do. And in doing this, a lot of people are going to say, well, they're leaving money on the table. Ah, maybe, maybe, maybe not, because you're also saving development time, which means the game can come out sooner, which is also saving you development costs, which is also saving you extra manpower to create a whole division, making the Xbox version of the game, right? Yeah. Um, that allows you to have a more focused development process, Um that is clearly working in their favor because this is coming out way sooner than I thought. Um, and yeah. and it's, so they, it's, not, it's not as much about leaving money on the table as it is saving money by focusing on the most important platform and the most important market uh, globally that they can find. And I think in that sense, I find it to be okay. It sucks for Xbox fans, uh, especially if you don't have a PS5. But this is business and this is how it goes. And yeah. This is where I you're going to have to go to play it. I'm sorry. I think it sucks, and I think it is kind of lame, but you're right. I mean, when you look at, ultimately, what Square is doing, they sold out their Western... They sold their Western studios. They're, they're done. done with y'all. They're, yeah. They're, they're, they, they, they just want to predominantly focus on in Japan and with Japan-centric uh, uh, you know, uh, developers and teams, and Sony being one of them. I it just This makes a lot of sense to me. And then, ultimately, for me, I, I, I back to, to DeMarco's point, it's... They, I don't think they just saw the value in Xbox when it comes to these kind of games. I mean, um, maybe that'll change once they see if if uh, the next game does well, but I don't think that matters really when it's all said and done. And one of the things, it's the entitlement of Xbox fans is insane to me because of the fact that they feel like Square Enix owes them this. When Square Enix specifically said in 2020 that they, will, they have no plans of bringing the game over to Xbox. So, I mean... I guess people thought they were lying, and so I guess because they, people thought they were lying, they're gonna—they're mad at them for actually not lying. You know, it, it, it's, <laughs> how dare it's, they? Yeah, how dare they tell me the truth at face value? <laughs> it's, nuts, uh, it's, man. it's ridiculous. I've I seen people—people people I respect—call uh, Square Enix a poverty uh, studio because they're not bringing it to Xbox. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, it's—I'm telling you, yeah. man. Xbox fans have gotten really crazy as soon as the acquisitions happened. They started feeling themselves and thought, "Well, everybody wants to be on Xbox." And everybody wants to be bought by Xbox. That's not yeah. how it works, man. Yeah, and That's look, not I, how it is. I, I think that the narrative that Japanese 
JRPGs, whatever, they don't make a lot of money on Xbox. I think that's a little bit uh, overblown. I mean, all, the best, uh, some of the best JRPGs of the last five, six years have come out on Xbox. You know, your sure. Dragon Quest, uh, you yeah. know, last yeah. year, the, the Tales games. And then you have also Persona coming. You've all the Yakuza games that, that made it over. Like, that's that's not, that's kind of like a, 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 a overblown aspect. But when it comes to developing this game and at the speed in which they seem to be developing the game, I, I, I think it just makes a lot of sense for Square Enix to focus up on one console. And maybe people out there who, develop, who know how these things work or maybe people who don't know how things work think, well, how hard is it to make it for Xbox? Maybe not that hard at all. But again, they don't see the value right now. And maybe they, they, they feel all the money they can possibly make from this. They'll probably make it at the back end if they release this the trilogy on Xbox or something of that sort. So, yeah. again, I, I think it's fine. I, I do think that they're working extra hard. I, I would almost bet, and this is kind of a prediction, that Part 3 might come out or, or, or might come out like 2024, like soon thereafter. Like they're they're really working on this game. It seems to, I, to, to, I definitely think they want to be done by the end of this console generation. Yeah. I think yeah, they want to sure. move on. Um, yeah, I think by 2025, now, they want to have that trilogy out. Yeah, for sure. And I I will say, now the next thing we have real quick here is that the, the Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is the first game in the trilogy, uh, and the Integrate version is coming to Steam. So, you know, it's not like it's you're just, you're, you're stranded. If you have a PC, you, you, that's another route you can take. Uh, if not, then, I, you know, again, this is how it goes in the console landscape. Uh, so at least it is available on Steam. I think it already is, if I'm not mistaken. Or, um, yeah, as of today. Yeah, that which is which is cool. Yeah, actually, I was now, on Steam earlier and I saw it on there. I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. All right. Um, now the third thing. Now Xbox was not left empty-handed. Nope. They did get a little Final Fantasy action going on. Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion has been announced for Xbox Series X and S, PS5, PS4, Switch, and PC. Um, this is more of a remaster than a remake, so um, that's probably why it's doable on Switch and, and hopefully not a cloud version. That would be ridiculous. Um, yeah. It's in between, it looks like. It's like in between yeah. remake and remaster, yeah. Little, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it looks very good, actually. Um, I'm really excited to replay the story again. It is a prequel, if you don't know what Crisis Core is. It is basically a prequel to uh, the original Final Fantasy VII storyline. Um, and a very good one. I don't know if they're going to take liberties with this like they did with uh, the, the, the mainline remake trilogy, uh, but we'll see. Um, but I'm, I'm very s- excited about this, and and I am glad that uh, as far as the Xbox side of things, it is something. Um, if not, any, if nothing else but an appetizer, I guess, um, maybe to test the market, as Pablo may, you know, may, may suggest, uh, or he did earlier to me offline, yeah. or maybe it's just, you know, a, a, a slick tactic on PlayStation side to say, well, you can have that one, but if you want everything else, you got to come <laughs> over this way, you know, uh, uh, shrewd, shrewd Jim Ryan, but uh, yeah. what do you think? Crisis Core, the final, it's a Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core reunion or something like that. Names, naming convention is yeah. ridiculous. But I am super excited for this. I've never played Crisis Core. Uh, I had the PSP, but just never, you know, never really got into it. I, funny enough, you know, there's a there's a Twitter user called the Snitch who actually had this pretty much already a couple days ago, and yep. and I realized that's probably what was gonna happen. So I went and looked up the gameplay, and I was completely shocked. I'm like, oh, this game was actually looks pretty good like yep oh, i definitely see this coming and i thought it was gonna get more of a remake thing but i think the way they did it, it makes a lot of sense i'm actually really excited for it again because i've never played it and then just to kind of get out of the way real quick it is part of one of my honorable mentions for uh, best game or of uh, the show itself because it i love final fantasy remake 
never played Crisis Core. Zach is going to be a big part of this part uh, of Rebirth. Oh, yeah. As he is in the second half of that game. So it, it just makes a lot of sense to me. I am very, very excited to kind of delve into this and, and see this story for, for what is that. I, I have no idea what happens in Crisis Core. No idea at all. So I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm super excited. Uh, and and to- you won't have to wait too long to find out. That's it's right. coming out this winter, which is crazy whole um, yeah i'm super excited for this i like i saw this and i i didn't think i was gonna react the way i reacted i was like yo i can't wait to like legitimately i probably like i maybe my most anticipated game now of this year in because it just mm. I, I love remake so much like i i redownloaded a remake i'm ready to play a remake as soon as i'm done with crisis core or because it is a prequel of those so mm-hmm. uh yep. yeah i'm all in on this man for such a short stream this uh, this one packed a hell of a punch, man. It, I would say it's the can, best one. I was just gonna say, actually, uh, Capcom might have something to say there. I, I really like what they did, but I think those two did their thing, man. That, that, that was a really good, um, really good it's show from both of them. Because these were the showcases. Well, not the twenty. Well, there's been anniversary streams before, but Capcom's. I remember like two years ago, Cap, Capcom's showcase was fucking comedy it was so bad oh my god it was laughable yeah. it was so bad but they, they've they've righted the ship in a lot of ways i gotta give in them a lot, lot of, of credit man square's a little goofy uh they, they are still pretty goofy but at least they knew not to make this stupid they had some mobile thing i think in this stream as well i didn't even bother listing it on the dude but that the whole list, but... the whole damn stream was hype as fuck with the music oh yeah oh man oh so, so good, good. All right, man. Well, speaking of so good, it's time to transition into our segment for best game and biggest disappointment of all of the summer games showcases. So we've caught, we, we, we caught a lot of new games. We saw a lot of new footage. A lot of stuff impressed us. A lot of stuff left us kind of eh. A lot of stuff left us bummed out, but we are going to uh, basically share our thoughts on what the best and not so best games were. Uh, Pablo, why don't we do this sort of uh, with just let's start with best game uh, with your honorable mentions. You go first, and then I'll tag in with mine, and then we'll uh, circle back for the best or the best disappointment, <laughs> the biggest yeah. disappointment uh, after that. So uh, I'll kick it to you first. What do you got? Yeah, my honorable mentions are Resident Evil 4 Remake, which we talked about on this show and in the previous shows as well. Super mm-hmm. excited for that. Final Fantasy 16, which, you know, wasn't we've talked about that as well as the state of play. Hype right. as fuck coming summer 2023. That looked great. Callisto Protocol, you know, always a, a showstopper every time it, sh- it showed up twice here. And I thought that was, you know, I thought I, from a game that I really had no really interesting or wasn't really that excited about other than it's going to be like, like it's going to be like a dead space. Like I'm like, all right, cool. It's probably going to look bad or something. Well, this game looks absolutely fantastic. And obviously um, coming out this year is a plus for sure. And I already mentioned crisis core union being, uh, you know, a super anticipated game of the year as well. It's just, it it looked great. I can't wait to play that story. Like I mentioned before, Mm -hmm. Uh, but for me, it's interesting. Uh, My best game of the show. Don't spoil it. Don't don't spoil it. Don't spoil what I got going on. Yeah. yeah, Undoubtedly Starfield for me. Look, when I look at, when I look at Starfield, what I want from a Bethesda game is that Bethesda RPG. And I know that there's people who want Bethesda to take the formula and, you know, kind of reinvent, what they do, kind of like what they did with Fallout 3 and Morrowind. And I get that. And I want that too. But I also want to sit down and play that uh, Bethesda RPG. You know, worst case scenario, we get a Fallout 4, which 
I love Fallout 4. You know, best case scenario, we get something like Skyrim or Fallout 3. It remains to be seen exactly what this game is going to be, be and, and how it's going to really um, hit for me. But I, 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 I really struggle with, with, with being negative about the game because I think they hit. Fallout 76 is, is, is bad on them. But ultimately, everything they've done really hits home for me. Um, yeah, I, I will say that the performance aspect of Starfield is worrisome, um, not only because of what they showed, but also because of the history of Bethesda and, and, and the creation engine and the infamous Bethesda jank that people seem to want to accept as part of the charm. That's unacceptable at, at this point for me. I think I, I'm looking at it from a point of view where I'm excited for the Bethesda RPG, but it cannot launch in the state that, that Fallout 4 did, uh, or, or any other games really did. You know, um, I think um, uh, Digital Foundry did a, a breakdown, and I, I got to watch it, uh, and even them were like, well, you know, maybe they're not going to pr prioritize frame rate because of how well those games do. I, that's, for me, that, that, would, that would be unacceptable. But ultimately, for me, um, when I'm looking at the game itself... Um, I will wait to, to, to be critical of that once it's a final product because they did they did delay it. So they, they, they know that, that there's still work to be done. But with the delay coming and if it comes out and it's still janky, that's going to be very problematic for me. But with everything else, I, I'm, really, I'm really excited for what Starfield could be. Uh, I, I, I'm really excited for what they showed. That, that breakdown with, with Ryan McCaffrey really got me super excited about everything where shipbuilding town building, it's not just throwaway stuff it's they're really looking into everything and and, and making it a, a full experience uh as much as um as possible i you know i think there are a lot of people who are being very critical of the game unfairly there are other people who have cr uh, critiques of the game like marco does who i think are very valid concerns all around but you know i i do think that there's a lot of going on here with with kind of how it's being perceived in the um in the zeitgeist but ultimately at the end of the day what i'm seeing is all i want is a bethesda rpg i love those things i love those experiences some of my favorite games of all time are bethesda games some of my favorite experiences are bethesda games with fallout 3 fallout 4 i i love those games so much if i if i can if i can sit down and have at the very least another one of those experiences i'm gonna be a very happy person all right let me go ahead and jump in with mine. Uh, I'll start with my honorable mentions. I also have Resident Evil 4 Remake, uh, which was fighting for the top spot, um, but it just got too competitive because even the other game in my honorable mentions, which is another one you share, Final Fantasy 16 had something to say as well. That That's still... Man, the choir sang the names of yeah. every single one of them icons. That was crazy to me. Uh, I still can't get over that. I cannot get past it. I'll never get past it. Um, Diablo 4. I'm going to throw Diablo 4 in there. Diablo yeah, 4 looked great. One. That looked really good. And that and that is sorely needed because of the way that Diablo Immortals is kind of falling off the cliff fast right now. Um, it looked really good. Uh, graphically, awesome. the, the character customization looks great. Um, and uh, the gameplay looks like it is going to be a great time as well. I uh, got The Last of Us Part 1 in there as well, the remake of the first game. Um, I don't care what the haters say. I really don't. I think this is, uh, this is looking great. Uh, the, remaster, yep. the, the remastered version from the PS4 era 
to me is um, is is definitely beatable. And I think from what we've seen of this remake, I think it, it mops up the uh, the remastered version enough to, uh, in my opinion, silence all the critics. Well, do we need this? Uh, I'm I'm, I'm tired of hearing change. that. It's it's annoying. Now, um, you know, in, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't think it's probably, let me ask you this question before we, this is kind of a pivot here, but out of, out of Resident Evil 4 Remake, Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth, and The Last of Us Part 1, which one are you most excited about? How about you rank them? One through three. I think it's, it's Final Fantasy, uh, Rebirth, Resident Evil 4, and Last of Us Part 2. Part one. The reason is because I think Final Fantasy and Square are doing something super interesting with the remake that okay. they're reimagining it. Uh, Resident Evil is also doing a reimagination of that. So that that stuff. And then The Last of Us is one of the best games of all time, top ten game of all time for me. So yeah, yeah, yeah fuck. I mean, it's it's at this point we're, we're we're picking among some of the best games ever created with you know with Rebirth yeah. potentially being that. So, but I do like <laughs> the idea of of remaking a game, but not just going scene for scene. It kind of feels like a film that when they remake a film, that sometimes it works, and a lot of times it works where they it's a reimagining of a older film in a way. Like Scarface, the original Scarface was an Italian mobster. The 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 Pacino one. It's a Cuban immigrant. Like these little changes that are make that recontextualize the story and really tell a really compelling story. I, I'm all for it, and I, I and mm-hmm. I hope, you know. Another question I'll ask you, and I'll turn this around to you. Once you answer that, I want you to rank yours. Actually, well, I have the same exact order, so we can okay, probably yeah, go all right. past that. I want. Are you are you potentially getting sick of remakes as a kind of because I think if they're evolving in a way where they're becoming less about just remakes and they're becoming more about giving you the essential experience as you thought the game was in whenever it came out today by recontextualizing and making it make sense for 2022 or 2023. I think that's super smart for them. I don't get sick of remakes. I'm one of those people. I think think there's, if there's an opportunity to make a a great game from the past, um, playable, modern, and, and advantageous of new hardware capabilities, um, and there's an audience for it that wants it. I don't see any reason why you don't do it. I think it can get excessive when it starts to take over from originality. Uh, I think yeah. that's usually a concern. But I think there's plenty of original games that come out to offload or to offset that that uh, that 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 concern. So I, I'm cool with it. I I think people are getting tired of it because. Um, you know, people wonder the validity of, well, well, do we really need this? Even with Resident Evil 4, which to your point earlier in the show, it's like, guys, that game, it, it plays better in your mind than it does yeah. in 2022, y'all. So you might, you might want to, you might want to pipe down and let it, let, let them make it because it, it, you'll, you'll be, you'll be happier. Trust me. And there's also the stupid notion that they, instead of making that game, they should be making another, it's like, no, because that wasn't in their plans. That, that was never yeah. going to happen. They didn't stop, yeah. cr- they didn't stop developing Resident Evil 9 to do Resident Evil 4. That's just not the way these things work. <laughs> right. It, it, people get so uh, armchair development, like, well, why would they waste their resources on on this one when they could be making something totally different. I, I don't understand. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, anyways, we, we kind of deviated there. But anyways, let me summarize uh, my honorable mentions. Resident Evil 4, uh, Final Fantasy 16, Diablo 4, and Last of Us Part 1. Uh, best game, Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. It came at the last minute, and it it, it just it swept me off my feet, man. The nostalgia, uh, like I said earlier, seeing Cloud and, and uh, Seth walking and talking and being old buddies like they Chums. you know were at one point 
that just that that threw me off and I, I I've had that image in my head ever since I watched that that little teaser trailer um, I'm so hyped about this I'm really really excited to see what they do uh, in terms of taking liberties with the story now that they've kind of you know tipped their hand and said hey we're kind of going off script here now this is the first game where they're really going to lean into that it seems and I'm really curious about that too I'm hyped man so yeah. uh, that that was an easy dub for for Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth as the best game of the show for me but not everything was sunshine rainbows and daffodils man some stuff left us uh, a little bummed out and that's what's going to bring us to our segment for biggest disappointments pablo let's follow the same uh pattern here let's go with your dishonorable mentions and then yeah. uh, hit us with your biggest disappointment what do you got modern warfare 2 uh, look it's mm. true that these call of duty games they don't demo that well all the time it's more of a for me it's more of a feel thing especially when the multiplayer but this pre- uh, presentation specifically was for me bad it, it was it's supposed to showcase the best of the game and what it offered was just another tanker boring fucking level gameplay where they're trying to be like, all right, we're going to go in really slow, really quiet, sneak around, and then it's going to go crazy. And then it's like, <laughs> it, it just didn't really, it didn't do anything for me. It's like, oh, I've played this level on Call of Duty a hundred times. I've, I've been here. None of this seems new to me. All this seems just par for the course. They copy-paste kind of structure of a uh, Call of Duty. The, the, the house from Modern Warfare 1 where they're sneaking into the house and it's all night vision shit. Like, it's that, but in the tanker. I, I, I just thought it was a bad, a very bad, actually, uh, presentation. And then when they talked about it, and it's like, hey, this is your chance to, hey, talk about the game. They talk about water physics and shit like it doesn't Oh, the fucking... water tech, man. It's yeah. the new fish AI, man. Remember yeah, that from Ghosts? Shit... <laughs> <laughs> that shit doesn't fucking matter. Like, it, it just... It's just super weird how how they barely talked about multiplayer. Like it's just little things like this that what makes Call of Duty Call of Duty. They really almost like don't get and 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 for me this being like it's supposed to be like a huge, you know their next big title like the most anticipated Call of Duty and since Modern Warfare One, it just kind of was really ho hum for me and just didn't really do anything for me at all. Um, second game is Cocoon, uh, which was shown at the Xbox showcase. Uh, it. The reason for it is because it's the people who are some of the minds behind games like Limbo and um, what was it Limbo and uh, Inside, Inside? Yeah. and it's like you know I love those games I think those games are absolutely incredible games and then they show Cocoon which for me just didn't feel like any of those games to me uh, didn't look like any of those games and being a, a a platforming puzzle game I'm not really big on though on on those I'm sure that like this is like a creatively refreshing thing for these developers to do something completely different. Not my problem. I don't care. Give me something that's like inside. Give me something weird like Limbo. Uh, you know, this thing opened up with like like a vagina fucking opening up. And, and oh, yeah, that's right. Like, the Coon Tank yeah. squad. Where are you at? Yeah. Stand up. <laughs> Sit down. Like, it looks cool. The game looks good, like graphically, like art style. But for me, what this game is... When you talk, when you tell me these are the people behind Limbo and behind Inside, I'm thinking Somerville, which is the other half of that mind, uh, uh, that that mind that, that that made those games. Those yeah. are the kind of games I want to see. This just seems a little bit kind of like uh, below and had that, that kind of aesthetic to it. Not a fan of this at all. It, when, when, as soon as you open up with those two, uh, with those creators, and you show me this, I was like, damn, I, I want another one of those kind of games. And then last but not least is Marvel Midnight Sun. Can't say I'm the biggest Firaxis fan. I'm not even a big XCOM fan. 
but it's the potential that I felt was lost here. When you look at what this could have been, a XCOM meets Marvel Alliance mashup, I'm saying, okay, that's interesting. You know, I, I'm open to, 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 to these kind of games if done right. Uh, like Into the Breach, I always talk about that game. A game, uh, a type of game that I'm not into, but that one got me into it. You know, I love Marvel. Uh, why not? You know, this could have worked. And then they introduced the card portion that wasn't a new revelation here, but seeing it in action, it's just seemingly unnecessary. Almost an additional layer of different just for the sake of being different or being unique or being a, a kind of like a different kind of approach to this kind of game. And you couple that with the fact that this had the this has like a bioware Ask companion piece to it where you have conversation systems and you have relationships that you build with other superheroes that would help you in battle. That kind of stuff just feels really cool, but then when the actual battle of it all, right, with the actual nitty-gritty when you get down to fighting the the, the, the bad guys, it's this card-based kind of boring... It just doesn't work for me. Plus, the the way that these characters look, I think it's it's one of the worst looking Marvel games in in, in its in its approach to like the art style. Uh, it it just really doesn't work, and it should because Fraxis is a great fucking you know developer. And then them going into the whole world of licensed game, it just feels like man, it, are they in it? Are like are, are they passionate about this? Because this feels kind of like not their best effort. So yeah, Marvel Midnight Suns is on here. I, I, something else that I had. I'm struggling with this game to admit that I'm disappointed with it. It's Pentiment. I, the stuff that came out after that it's a game over time, like you will see like a kid that's like a three-year-old grow up and you could see him married depending on the, on the choices you make. You can see the, the, the world that you're inhabiting kind of get dilapidated based on certain, uh, certain choices you make. All that stuff sounds super interesting, but I can't get over that art style, man. It looks like, like Card Shark, like you said, I think, last uh, in the last show. But it just it's not what I expected from Obsidian. And that's kind of my biggest thing. In my head, I created a whole different kind of game. And then when they showed that, I was like, oh. I, I'll see what happens when the game comes out. I'm, 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 in, I'm not going to say excited. I'm super interested to see how the game actually pans out. But yeah, those are my uh, dishonorable mentions. Uh, should I go right into my, my main it. one? Go All right. Ahead. My main one is a shocker to me, but it's it's when you th- when I think about it, it's just it's just the way I feel about this. It's Redfall. When when, when I think about arcade games, a co-op focus shooter isn't what I think of this at all. Everything that I mentioned about the game sounds like it could be a good game, but arcade to me is where I go for immersive sim kind of games, right? And every time they do something that's not that, I almost immediately lose interest. Like, a Deathloop I try to love, but it just wasn't what I love Arcane for, you know? Uh, but that's the fact that you're making a shooter-heavy game with its main hook being this co-op thing. and It's a bit of a head-scratcher for me. Uh, everything they showed looked good. It, it looked AAA quality even, but it's not what I want. It, it, like... Arkane has done Dishonored. They did Prey. And, and, and they, they made really cool stylistic choices to those. And Arkane doesn't feel like a really cool artistic choice. It feels like the best they could do with the graphical engine they have to make this game look as modern as possible. And, and, and for me, it doesn't work. Like, like um, any number of studios could have made Redfall. It just doesn't feel particularly like an arcane game. Like, when you look at what they're known for, like, obviously the immersive sim aspect, but their level creation, the clockwork uh, uh, mansion that they have uh, in, in, in Dishonored 2 is incredible 
uh, in terms of its uh, approach to uh, game design. The, uh, the, the the time travel aspect of, of, of 2 is awesome. Little stuff like that that just isn't, hasn't been present in the last few games. And I just want... And I know Marco doesn't really like arcane games, but I just want that experience again. And this just isn't giving it to me. It, it just it just feels it feels like a cool game, but it feels like a cool game made by another studio. It, there's nothing about this game that feels arcane. And what's the fucking point at that point, right? Well, what what why why make this game if you're just trying to be like everything else and you're kind of losing yourself by trying to be different and trying to kind of get a whole bunch of these different genres and mix them together. It, it, you're losing what I like about Arcane, and that's that immersive sim aspect. I, you know, I just want them to go back to basics, and I, I fear that that's not something that they, they, they're interested in doing. So, yeah, that's my most dishonorable... Uh, that's the most game, the most disappointing game that I had uh, in, in the game show uh, when it's all said and done. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and transition right into my dishonorable mentions and start with the game that you just left off with, which is Redfall. Uh, didn't make my my biggest disappointment uh, winner, but even though I'm not an Arcane fan, I think my problem with this is that um, of all the things that I think Arcane has done well, it is their worlds and their premise and the atmosphere and and just the overall um, narrative. I don't know, vibe of their games. Yeah. I've always been interested in that part of what they do. Prey is an interesting premise. Uh, so is Dishonored, and so is Deathloop. The characters seem pretty, eh, seem pretty all right. You know, so I, the games themselves, I've always had problems with, and I won't get into all the millions of reasons why. But at least we can fall back on that. And I think Redfall is the first time where I have honestly felt like now they have lost the ability to have a captivating world. Uh, going on. It's it, This is a, a case of a bunch of quippy people that are trying to protect a town called Redfall. And here's some vampires and some things you can do together or by yourself. And, and to me, it just doesn't seem to have anything really remarkable about it, in my personal opinion. A lot of people are really excited about this game. Yeah. I I think, um, for me, this, this really just feels like um, another Back for Blood. Uh, with kind of overselling the single player component, in my opinion, as being a, a, a you know a viable way to play the game, I almost feel like they're saying they're emphasizing that to kind of um, to kind of avoid the, the the pitfalls of what Back for Blood went through when they found out you can't really progress if you play solo, and I think they're really trying to make sure you go, no guys, it's really really viable, but I, I just don't find any of it really um, arcane in, in, in a sense of that, that world building and that, that interesting, intriguing kind of uh, vibe that they've achieved very well in the past. So that's why it's, a, it's still a dishonorable mention for me, even though I'm not a fan of them. Uh, I also have Pentiment on my list as well. Um, I think Josh Sawyer, I think his name, is, is a great writer, uh, kind of a writer's writer. Uh, done some really great work with New Vegas on, on the Fallout side of things, but... Man, this is uh, just not a very interesting looking game to to look at, literally. I wish this was more of a traditional uh, thing and not just some, you know, kind of uh, weird side-scrolling looking situation. Uh, it, it looks like one of those Switch Vaporware games to me, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It just kind of looks bad, man. Uh, and um, I'm sure the story has all kinds of interesting depth and branching paths and all that depth that he's known for. 
Um, but it's just kind of wrapped in this really ugly casing that I really cannot get past and just doesn't uh, excite me at all, especially if it's not a full-blown, um, you know, obsidian kind of game, if that makes sense. So it's just not for me, uh, at least from first first look. Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, yeah, I got a good problem, man. That was a very, a very boilerplate-looking demonstration of the campaign it is a ship that's going down and uh you know a bunch of things are flying all over the place and gunfire and a lot of oscar mics and a lot of dumb you know like uh tactics that you can do in the beginning that just seems okay i'll take the one on the left you take the one on the right it's just the same it's the same thing and it's um it's really sad to see because i think um i wish that modern warfare had more imagination to it like black ops did and does, um, because it, you just see so many of these typical Call of Duty missions, man. And yeah, it looks looks nice graphically. It really does. But there's just nothing there in terms of of, uh, of, of, of something that makes you feel like this is, okay, this is a different beast, you know, and, and this is why, you know, Infinity Ward is is the, you know, the premium developer of, of, of this series. I just don't get that vibe here. I think that they are the most coveted studio of them all, but they do kind of, to me, the most mundane work. Or the most uh, boilerplate work, in my opinion. I hope I'm wrong. I hope this is a, a, a great, great game. But that did not really uh, instill a lot of confidence in me that this was going to be uh, something truly unique and special. Um, biggest disappointment. Um, this probably isn't too much of a surprise if you heard my thoughts about the game in the last episode. But uh, I do have Starfield here. I, I can't lie. Now, I want to say, I, I'm not saying that I think that because it's my most disappointed disappointing game that I think it's going to be a bad game. I don't think that really at all. I think it's going to be fine. I just think that when you look at how it was presented, when you hear about some of the ways that it was described by Todd Howard with his Todd Howardisms, and then what Pablo had, had walked me through earlier on in this episode about some extra stuff he said to IGN, what you really have here is, is a couple of things working against this game right now. Number one is scope. Um, scope seems to be the new buzzword uh, for Starfield apologists right now. Yeah, dude, I get it, man. The, the, the performance isn't great, and this, the combat doesn't look the best, but the scope. Yeah, but man, you got to give them credit, man. The scope of the game is like, oh, man, but all the thousands of planets, the scope. And, you know, there's a... The, the, the theme for me when I, when I think about Bethesda is I think that their technical capabilities have never really matched up with their ambitions all that well. And in the years since Fallout 4, I expected there to be a, to be a more balanced uh, you know, parity between their ambition and their actual capabilities. Because uh, my biggest fear about this game is that it's going to be a, you know, a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none. Um, or that it's going to get lost in its own sauce so much by having the thousand planets and, and these systems and that systems and doing this and doing that, that somewhere in the middle of all that, the essential stuff, the basic stuff kind of gets overlooked or hand waved off as a priority. And I think that does lead into things like the performance of the game. That frame rate needs to get better. Um, I don't necessarily know if this, if, if we're going to get a 60 FPS version uh, of this game at all. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it stays at 30 regardless of what console, X or S. Um, I, I'm really concerned about them getting that right, though. Um, I'm concerned about... Um, narratively what is the bottom line of this game what do you what is the end goal 
And I think that is a question that really has not been answered very well by Todd Howard or, or really anybody about this game. There's all kinds of stuff you can go do, but what is it all for in the end? You know, the most I was able to glean is that there's these fragments or artifacts you collect that kind of open up more possibilities of places you can go in the stars and some, you know, uh, you know universe mystery kind of thing, I guess. I, I don't know, but I, I guess... I, I want to say that they've done a poor job of really showing what what your ultimate end goal is as, as your character, um, because the way they've described it is it makes it sound like it's just this this astronaut simulator. You can go do this over there, or you can go do this over here. You can fly. You can be down here. You can manage these things. You can do that. But why? Like what is what is the one thing that 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 links all those things together and, and gives me an ultimate purpose as a character? And I don't know what that is yet. And I think that that's really been a, a, a misstep in their messaging uh, up to this point. And the last thing I'll say is what I've said in the last episode. I think this game is missing personality big time. I, I think it is a glaring void in the way this was presented. I don't know if I'm going to have any like moments of like awe beyond just seeing a cool vista or a new planet, is there going to be storyline moments that are going to capture me in a way that the Fallouts did of, of the world or other games of this ilk have done it for me? Um, or is it just going to be so focused on space and exploration and doing this over there and that over here that the intimate storytelling between characters and between factions gets sort of lost in the shuffle uh, amid the grandeur of Starfield? Uh, I'm worried about that. So um, I come into this with more concern than I have confidence. Uh, again, I'm not saying I think this is going to be a, a flop. I'm not saying it's going to be a bomb. I'm saying there was a much better way of showing this game off. And I think showing a game with a bad frame rate and um, a lot of hyperbole from Todd Howard and a lot of unanswered questions um, about how to build a connection with this world and its people is enough for me to say this was kind of a bummer. So I got it at the top of my list uh, as the biggest disappointment, um, but I'll hold out hope that uh, Bethesda and Todd Howard and everybody else involved will, um, you know, uh, ease some of the concerns that are out there. Um, a lot of people are high on it, like Pablo. A lot of people are like, I don't know, like me. So let's hope you all yeah. end up on the other side of this feeling good about the end result. Hey, before um, we wrap up, one question I got for you. What what's the probability of this game actually coming out the first half of 2023? Because, you know, I, I know that Xbox has promised everything they showed would be within the next 12 months, but they're not really beholden to anything other than something they said in, at, at that. You know, it's not really like a promise that they've written in, in blood. I, I feel, for me, to answer that question myself, I feel if Redfall does well enough and maybe another game out there that comes out for uh, that's exclusive to them does well enough, I think that there's a pretty good possibility that we see this game delayed to like fall 2023. But what do you think? Uh, because I, I, I honestly don't give a shit about the the 12 month thing. Like if 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 this is gonna make a better game, then fine. Yeah, it's gonna have a lot of fodder. It's gonna it's gonna cause a lot of fodder. It's gonna have people talk shit about it specifically. But if that means lock 30 or even a 60 frame rate uh with time anyway what do you think do you think this game does come out in the first half of 2023 or do you think it, it ultimately just ends up getting delayed 50 50 um uh, if i had to choose gun to my head i would probably say um they will try to meet the deadline um i i think they will probably um really because i don't think they want to get uh, any more heat 
for delaying the game further, especially, you know, you got to think by that point next year, we will have gone through a very long stretch of time with, with very little, if anything, in the way of first party games. So another delay is going to sting a lot harder than it did this time around. Um, so I think they're going to try to get it out, you know, at the, probably at the very end, I would say, I, I would even say probably like drop dead date of June, uh, end of June is probably when I'll see it. I could see it coming out. I think they're going to come out with a roadmap though, off the bat. I could see that happening. And, and I think they're going to try to get ahead of any bugs or issues and clean up duty that needs to happen after the game goes out. Um, I can see that happening, uh, pretty much immediately, uh, to, to kind of get ahead of any backlash about man, the bugs, the jank, the crashes and all that stuff. That's probably going to happen not to be pessimistic, but I, I just think that, um, this rollout is going to be more than just what date they pick, but also what kind of expectations they set for us for the remainder of the calendar year next year. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but that was a lot, man. So, uh, I think that's going to do it for us. That's going to wrap up this episode of the show. We'll see you again in a couple days for our next episode. So stay tuned for that on, uh, I think that'd be dropping Thursday. So check that out. Uh, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already so that you can be notified when that next episode drops. Hope you enjoyed this. I know I did. I know Pablo did. Uh, you're welcome. And we will uh, see you next time. Take care. Make me feel good.